Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 23rd of October, year of our Lord, 2019. And I am literally in the bunker today with a gun. Yeah, seriously. High-speed chase went bad yesterday. They have two convicts on the run in our area. They literally are telling us to stay inside and arm yourself because they're highly dangerous. So for the wife's sake and for mine, because literally I can't whoop ass anymore. I'm armed, in the bunker, ready to go. Bring it on! I doubt he'll come into my house, but they are in the area. They went across the base, and uh, military police lost them in the woods, so God knows. Uh, The neighborhood isn't what it used to be. There's been multiple of these lately. It's like the criminals are heading out to the country to fuck up. So that's how we start our show today. We're going to have a violent left, a little more impeachment news, social media nuggets, some good stuff today. Good stuff. But the hate from the left won't abide. And we have another example of what the media did not condemn and promoted still happening to GOP representatives. And I'm going to start our violent left with a soundbite of Maxine Waters and Cory Booker saying, it's all right just to yell and scream at people and run them out of the fucking building. By the end of this serious side of our podcast, we'll see Well, it also comes from our media who believe anybody who doesn't think like them are evil human beings. And then you'll hear people that thought it was okay to walk up to a senator in a restaurant in Kentucky and be rude. Police don't win. And I said, baby, they don't. Because we're going to go in there, we're going to impeach them all. Talking about women's reproductive rights when you've got a dick. No, I've had two abortions. I don't give a fuck. It's my body. It's my Realize the biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. All punches are not equal morally. Do you support that kind of appeal to, for, to tell people, uh, people like Sarah Sanders, for instance, at the restaurant, but in particular what Maxine Waters said, to tell anyone from the cabinet, you're not welcome and confront them? So, um, first of all, I, I subscribe to an ideal of radical love, uh, the kind that my parents taught me, participants in the civil rights movement, that, that yes, you should protest. Yes, you should confront evil and injustice. But do it in the ways that uh, Martin Luther King did and, and Fred Shuttlesworth did and, uh, and other great leaders uh, who, who always did it by recognizing the dignity 
uh, of even those who you uh, oppose, even those who are trying to destroy you, even those that hate you. And so I, I worry in our country right now uh, that we're descending to a hatred of American hating American uh, that is not going to solve our problems. Uh, I, I call on all of America not to sit comfortably and be bystanders to the injustices that are going on when it comes to this immigration system. Uh, the injustices of separation of families that are going on of separating American children uh, through our broken criminal justice system that has thousands of children right now incarcerated in the United States of America who haven't even had a trial yet. I, I think we all should be not sitting comfortably by, idly by, while these moral outrages are going on and we should protest. But I, I, we've got to get to a point in our country uh, where we can talk to each other where we are all seeking a more beloved community. And some of those tactics that people are advocating for, to me, uh, don't reflect that spirit. And so, uh, yes, if I saw an administrator, administrator uh, in a, uh, uh, out and about, uh, I, there's nothing wrong with, with confronting that person. Uh, I'm not being rude. Well, I'm not being rude. He's a public official. I have a right to speak to him. No, no, no. Yes, I have a right to speak to you just ran into two people from New York, kiddo, and we're not putting up with your Republican well, bullshit. All I'm saying is that while you and I possibly, probably don't have much in common politically, all right, we are Americans. I was wrong. It happened in California. While having lunch with Rand Paul in California, we got verbally assaulted by these aggressive libs complaining about incivility. Senator Rand Paul, the left blames incivility on Trump. Watch this video and decide who the rude ones are. I know so many people exactly like her, and they think they are peace-loving, open-minded, kind people. They're just bitter and angry and mad at the world. I always tell my kids, today's old people are yesterday's hippies. They were nasties in the 60s and the 70s. Why wouldn't they be nasty now? That was reply to it. Two New Yorkers. We're not going to put up with your Republican bullshit. But remember, it, it's the evil, evil white people in the middle of the country who are destroying our nation. That's what the media tells you. Why don't you believe that? Oh, because you can't see it? I don't see it either. Nobody's ever walked up to me and said anything that was rude who was a conservative or an independent. It was liberals that called me baby killers in Portland when I was in my dress greens during the Gulf War for my first Thanksgiving since 1985, and this was 2003. It's always been liberals. It's the pages in Oregon's that say I'm a horrible human being for sharing a meme joke about check which genitalia I have, and I'll tell you what your gender is. It's those people. They believe they have the right to tell you what you can and can't do. How do I know? Far-left group threatens violence against church screening the rise of Jordan Peterson. Earlier this year, an anonymous threat forced DC Theater can cancel production of FBI Lovebirds Undercovers. I wanted to play it because Christy Swanson's in it. Um, if you haven't seen it, you can get it online. It's actually comedic when you actually listen to them. Just read the texts. That they sent each other. It's funny. The play produced by Felwyn McNear featured a reading of text from disgraced Lisa Page and Peter Zork. The two are enmeshed in Russia collusion hoax and kept the country hostage for north of two years. An element of the left fearful the play message would get out to the masses threatened violence against the theater in question. Theater manager opted to cancel his contract to host the play. Team McNear was able to find another venue, but it still sent a chill through the theatrical community, even though many venues refused to discuss the matter because they're not going to play shit like that. 
Now a fair documentary about the member of the intellect dark web is under similar attack. The Rise of Jordan Peterson examines how the lanky professor became an intellectual superstar. Peterson has his enemies, no doubt. He refuses to think it's the government's job to force people to use preferred pronouns, drawing the ire of the LGBT community. Rise doesn't glorify its subject, sure. It shows empathy for his ascent, revealing tender moments with members of the family. The film also captures him doubling down his own wisdom, worrying that his advice will inflame an already hot left-right divide. In short, it's neither hit piece nor propaganda. Moviegoers in Brooklyn, Toronto, and Portland didn't get the chance to see that for themselves, though. Theaters in those major cities all canceled rise screening because cancel culture made them. That's okay, though, in our society. You can do unplanned, cancel that. You can cancel anything that's conservative while the same people that are canceling are screaming about free speech being totally restricted in this country under Trump, where they can't go online and say horrible things to conservatives. Oh, wait a minute. That is still happening? Oh, of course it is. Then a professor tells students they're expected to join her in protesting Michael Knowles from the Daily Wire. In an email sent Monday afternoon, Kennesaw State University professor Jalisi Jackson told the students of her gender studies love and sex class that she is relocating the evening class and approaching it in a different form- format than usual. The new location, the campus green. The new format, a protest against best-selling author Michael Knowles. The students are expected to be present at the protests of the mainstream conservative, Jackson asserts in the email. In the email to her students, a screenshot which was published by Young American Foundation, Jackson begins by pulling almost word for word from an announcement posted on Facebook earlier by progressive activist groups to providing details about the protest against Knowles. Dear students, the email reads, I'm emailing you to inform you all of today's class format meeting space. KSU Young Americans for Freedom will be hosting a transphobic event Monday, October 21st called Men Are Not Women with Michael Knowles, who has been known for his racist and transphobic comments. You may know him as a man who was recently banned from Fox News for calling Greg Thudbird a mentally ill Swedish child. All Everything he says, men are not women, is a fact. And she is mentally ill, so that's a fact, but whatever. Jackson goes on to infirm the class that they are expected to be present. As a class, will be coming out to support trans students at KSU. We wanted to communicate to campus broader community that transgender people have advocates on campus who support them and their right to exist. Although the event is 4 to 7, you'll be expected to be present from 5 to 6.15. However, feel free to come early and stay the entire time. That's okay, though. That's okay. Can't have free speech that you don't agree with. They continue. Mark Zuckerberg hasn't been sufficiently anti-GOP lately. Here's Kevin Ruse from New York Times. Uh, for, for old time's sake, took a top, look at the top ten news stories across all of Facebook today. They're from Ben Shapiro, Trump, Cowboys, Breibart, Daily Caller, Shapiro... Again, I don't know why I did that. Intelligent and Sky, Occupy Democrats, Bible Time, and Delish. Interestingly, four of the ten stories are about transgender issues, including three write-ups of the same story about a trans woman cyclist. We'll cover that later in our gay shit section. Seems like assertive sites found a new pocket of high engagement stories. New by me and Al Matt New York Times, Trump re-election campaign is running a sophisticated, well-funded digital operation while Dems struggle to catch up. 
It's like a supercar racing a little Volkswagen bug, one expert said. We talked to insiders from both sides of the aisle. Dems told lots of stories like this. Digital directors suggest punchy Facebook ads get shot down by higher-ranking consultants who call it Cinema Vertech, clickbait, and opt for TV-style ads instead. Ours, on the other hand, describe the culture of the relentless testing and experimenting that works like D2C e-commerce brand than a presidential campaign, and that follows the data about what works. The big winner in this, of course, is the platform, which cashed in on all sides and rewarded inflammatory messages by design. Experts say Facebook in particular may even be friendlier turf for Trump in 2020 with the older user base and no fact-checking site for ads. Yeah. They're really worried about Facebook again. Even though, at the same time, all this worrying by what's supposed to be journalists... Nets ignore Facebook Zuckerberger helping buttleg hire people. That was something they didn't even cover, but they had time to cover other Facebook stuff. The move to call out foreign actors comes as Facebook is embroiled in controversy over political ads at home, criticized for refusing to pull a Donald Trump ad that contained false claims about Joe Biden. Zuckerberg saying it's not their role to fact-check candidate claims. Do you feel like you're giving a green light to politicians that... No, look, lie, lie, lie. I, I believe that um, that it is important for people to be able to hear and see uh, what politicians are saying. I think that when they do that, um, that speech will be heavily scrutinized by other journalists, by other people. Trump might lie. Every Dem candidate has lied their ass off. The leading Dem candidate lied about her ethnicity and her pregnancy. But you're worried Trump's going to lie. Really? Well, while they're doing all this, and I have to throw it in somewhere, it doesn't really fit. Here's a story you probably didn't hear about. Dem Congresswoman allegedly has affair with young female staffer. Media completely ignores. Red State reports that prominent Democrat Congresswoman Katie Hill allegedly had a prolonged sexual relationship with young female staffer. As the story goes, Hill and her now estranged husband were involved in a throuple relationship with a 22-year-old staffer who was just out of college when she began working with and allegedly dating the congresswoman. Making the whole thing even stranger and more salacious, various photos have surfaced, including that one that appears to have a nude Hill brushing the hair of a young woman, the staffer. I've seen the photo. It's creepy. It looks like a mother combing her child's hair. Red State also has text messages between the woman and Hill, which explains why she wanted to end the relationship. I have this huge article. I'm just going to go ahead and go to the Red State article, and we're going to read directly from it. Because, once again, I, I put this in the hate section, but I put it in the hate section for multiple reasons. A... This is a young person being preyed upon by a person in power, which is the direct definition of sexual harassment. B, because she's from California and a Democrat, vice chair of the Oversight and Reform Committee, 
Nobody cares. Because she doesn't have an R next to her name. So from their story, freshman Representative Katie Hill, Vice Chair of the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, shared with L in June 2019 interview a quote from late Representative Elijah, Elijah Cummings. In one of those first meetings, Hill said Cummings said something that has struck with her. It was that our role on oversight is to get to the truth and follow the truth wherever it leads and to expose that for the American people to make sure that they have the information they should have to frankly evaluate their government. It is in this spirit that we are sharing information obtained from multiple confidential sources, excuse me, relating to Hill, who currently is in divorce proceedings. It is the... It is this writer's view that events that occur within a marriage or affair that lead to its demise should be kept between the parties involved and are not the business of the general public. When those events or affairs occur with one of the parties' workplace, though, and the workplace is the United States Congress, the public should know about them and they determine the elected official's fitness to serve. Photographs and texts obtained by Red State show that Representative Hill was involved in a long-term sexual relationship with a female campaign staffer. The woman whose name is not being released was hired by Hill in 2017 and quickly became involved in a thruple relationship with Hill and her strange husband. There's pictures of them kissing. It's not very sexy. You know, for, for everybody out there who thinks lesbian sex is so sexy, specifically men, the reality is the women you see in porno are not the women you're going to see in real life. The first lesbian I ever saw literally had a pack of cigarettes in her arm like some 50s greaser at a pizza place. And I remember it sat with me as a child that that ain't right, is all I kept saying in my little head. That ain't right whatsoever. Hestep and the staffer, according to text messages provided to Red State, believe the palimonious arrangement to be a long-term committed relationship. The trio took multiple vacations together, including Alaska, where this photograph was taken. And once again, it's a young girl with a naked congresswoman combing her hair. A very young girl. And it's disturbing. Red State was also provided with intimate photographs of the women which have been chosen not to publish, which are more with sexual photos. According to a source close to staff, the thruple agreed to continue the committee relationship with Hill, moved to Washington, D.C., blah, blah, blah. Here are the text messages. Yes, I'd like to talk sometime, but only if you want to. I still care about you. Well, I still care about you, but I think I need a little more time to move on before you can be friends. I think you would understand if I ask for about one to two more months because it's too fresh. It's please, like, please understand it's not because I hate you. It's just because it hurts too much to think about you at this point in time. After that time, I would be happy to try to reconnect as friends. Please respond to this message with your thoughts, though, just for my sanity. In this hit message, he'll reference a continuing work relationship. Oh my God, of course. I don't mean anything soon. I just mean like we're going to see each other this weekend for blop, I assume, and I want it to be okay as possible. And I do want to know about your blop and help look things over, etc. if you want them. They've edited some of it for the victims, you know, benefit. 
Yeah, I would really appreciate that. I was pretty excited when you had offered to blank for me. Definitely. The staffer asked the political risk Hill led Hill to end the relationship. Was it political risk? No, I mean, I guess maybe partially. Honestly, though, it's that I want to be alone. I don't want to be accountable to anyone else. I want to be entirely focused on this work that I think is so important. And that's not fair to anyone as a partner. Yeah, I guess. I had a different vision, I guess, of you busy legislating the country and me busy learning to be a blank and just being happy together when there was time. Don't worry. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm just telling you where I was. Other ones. Hey, dude, I, I was, I'm just going to ask you this plainly because I respect you. Did you know about Graham and Katie? I hope you're, I hope you're good, man. Hola, mi amigo. I do know yes, but I don't know until recently. I'm very sorry you all are through this. How are you hanging on? Um, another one. After Heslip found out about the alleged affair between Hill and Kelly, he filed for divorce. Out lesbian? Then why has she been sleeping with her male finance director for the past year at least? I couldn't dispute this if she was still holding to being bisexual, but 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 being with her husband, me, for almost 15 years and then leaving me for another man, not woman, whom she's still seeing is not her being a lesbian. Bisexual, yes, as I will back her up with claims to this, but not lesbian. I didn't file for a divorce because she was bi. I just didn't know she opened our relationship. We also aren't officially divorced yet because she has been fighting everything this whole time. In review of FCC records for Hill's 2018 and 2020 campaign, it reveals that the staffer was first paid in 17 with her payment classified as salary, making her employee. California law doesn't expressly prohibit consensual sexual relationships between employer and direct reports, but it's certainly murky legal and ethical area. Some legal pundits contend that an employee can't truly consent to a sexual relationship because of the power structure. Also of concern, alleged thruple relationship is the age difference between Hill, Heslip, and the staffer. The staffer was 22, a new college graduate, when the relationship started. Hill and Heslip are in their late 30s. And the article goes on for here. Other people covering it Heather Cagle Representative Hill reached out to Speaker Pelosi and Lester Hoyer personally denying improper relation with their staffer and by this time we know it's staffers she's fucked her male staffer and then she fucked a female staffer in statements Hill says she's going through divorce from abusive husband who is determined to try to humiliate me Hill also acknowledged new photos of her that was published on a conservative website without a consent. I've notified Capitol Police are investigating the situation and potentially legal violation of those who posted and distributed the photos. This coordinated effort to try to destroy me and people close to me is despicable. Will not succeed. Hill continued. First of all, the photos are also of the victim who released the photos, which makes it legal. Second thing, why is this not in the news? If she was a Republican, sweet fucking God, sweet God, this would lead every night. You get my point and why it's in hate? This would lead. This is heinous. She had sexual relationships with two of her staffers, but grabbing the pussies wrong. I'll give Trump one thing. At least he out and out says he's a fucking sexist and he harasses people. This chick is like every other Democrat. They get caught and they start with the excuses. 
or I'm the victim. It's always I'm the victim. I, like many women who have been faced attacks like this before, am stronger than those who want me to be afraid. Katie Hill denies extramarital relationship with her male congress- congressional staffer, but apparently doesn't deny extramarital relationship with a female campaign staffer. Wonder how a married politician's affair with a young staffer would be covered if the politician were, say, Dan Crenshaw. Here is Politico covering it. Remember, none of the main media have covered it. Look at Politico's dishonest and hackish lead pretending she denies the whole allegation while the body confirms that she slept with the campaign staffer. Hill denies Blop in the body. Freshman Democratic Representative Katie Hill is denying allegations that she had an improper relation with the congressional staffer and blamed the controversy on an abusive husband that she's in the midst of divorcing. That would make sense if you didn't publish the red state stuff. It's all there. The text, the photos of her kissing her staffer. This is the left, folks. Oh, it's just one, Tony. Author says her rape claim set to air with Joy Reid was killed by NBC. Author Sil La Abrams explained how a rape accusation against music mogul Russell Simmons and sexual assault charges against them, extra host A.J. Calloway, were allegedly killed off by NBC in 2018. We have the Rona Pharaoh with Weinstein. They killed that. Once again, we talk about the implicit outright Trump violence. And you see it. But the implicit bias and everything that how they carry if you're an ally, if you're on their team, and if you're a Republican, how they do the subtle bias of every time a Republican is accused of extramarital affairs, it leads and the word Republican is used. If it's a Democrat, you don't see the D, you hear freshman Representative Katie Hill. They don't say Democrat. But we're supposed to believe the Chuck Todds and the Seltzers that, oh, it's just you. It's Fox News is the problem. Fox News is the problem. If we didn't have Fox News, it would be good. I am just shocked at this. I rarely cover dumb shit like this, but this this article, when you literally break it down, and it's you can go just search Red State, Katie Hill. The pictures are there. And they have more. The texts are there. None of this is made up. This is stuff handed over by the staffer. Who, as a young person, fell in love with the woman because she's a real lesbian, not a, I just do it for pandering, and got hosed by her boss. I am sure she doesn't do a whole lot for Katie Hill anymore. Because now they're in that sticky thing. I can't fire her. Hmm. Moving on. Chelsea Clinton calls America not the country I want my kids to grow up in. Full statement. 
I am so proud of my mom. I'm very biased towards her, love her very much, and feel very protected of her, although I know she doesn't need me to be. But really, my most important role now is as my kid's mom. You know, I have a daughter, Charlotte, who just turned five, a son, Aiden, he's three, and a baby, Jasper, just two months old. And I think about the country that we're living in right now. It's not the country I want them to grow up in. We learned last night that President Trump wanted to ditch a, dig a ditch at the border and put alligators and snakes and shoot migrants in the leg. The depth of cruelty and inhumanity towards migrants, towards people of color, towards LGBTQ community is not the America I want my kids to grow up in. Well, good. Move. Just move. I mean, if you see, and I understand it's politics, the party in power has to make you believe that the country is on the verge of collapse to try to get you to vote for them. You don't have to hate it this much. There's no need to hate it this much. We got it. You hate it. But you're constant clamoring that the country's a cesspool that are beating fucking people over the head at the border and raping LGBT people and tying them to fence. I saw a show the other day. They actually talked about Andrew Shepard. And if you've not ever researched Shepard, the original fake news from the media, it was a drug deal. A real reporter went back and researched it. It was published and then ignored by the media because they already got what they wanted out of it, just like AIDS and everything else. They have preached lies to get you to go for their people. A group they feel really bad for. But it wasn't gay bashing. We do it on the show. There is no proof that there is a concerted effort towards the LGBT community. Well, maybe there is by Katie Hill, because she just abused a gay girl. But you don't care about that. But all their candidates go in. Beto O'Rourke. Unlike Tulsi, it's obvious to me, Trump's working on behalf of Russia. And then he decided... Double down, triple down. The media thought it was cool. We're going back to Nazi reference again. And I use the example of that. Because despite my obvious pride in the role that our community plays in the civil rights history of America, despite what I think we represent to this country and to the rest of the world about the genius of America, being able to integrate people who come from everywhere and call this country home, trying to do better for themselves and their kids, but also seeking to do better for all of us. We are still connected to the rest of this country. As Dr. King reminded us, each of us is caught in an inextricable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. This country, though we may not be in El Paso, Texas, is still racist at its foundation, at its core, and throughout its system. This country, though El Paso is one of the safest cities in America, is still inherently violent. 40,000 gun deaths just last year in America. No other country in the world comes even close to this kind of carnage. So though that may not have been our experience in El Paso, 
over the years that I was growing up, or the years that I've been raising my children. That is the experience of America, and we are still connected to this country. And that experience is going to find us sooner or later. And on August 3rd, it did. That is the cost and the consequence, not just of Donald Trump, but this false, fabricated, fake fear that he wants us to feel about one another. And we must reject that. President Trump, perhaps inspired by Goebbels and the propagandists of the Third Reich, seemed to employ this tactic that the bigger the lie, the more obscene the injustice, uh, the more dizzying the pace of this bizarre behavior, the less likely we are to be able to do something about it. Did I hear you correctly say that perhaps he was influenced by Goebbels and the Third Reich in terms of uh, uh, telling a big lie? I just want to make sure that's what I heard you say. That's right. There is so much that is resonant of the Third Reich in this administration, whether it is attempting to ban all people of one religion and saying that Muslims are somehow inherently dangerous or def defective or disqualified. Uh, outside of Nazi Germany, it's hard for me to find another modern democracy that had the audacity to, to say something like this. And then this, this idea from Goebbels and Hitler that the bigger the lie and the more often you repeat it, the more likely people are to believe it. Um, that, that is uh, Donald Trump to a T. Um, the things that he says about immigrants committing crimes, being rapists, um, being predators and animals, seeking to dehumanize them. That's how we get them in cages. That's how we lost the lives of seven children in our custody and care. Uh, talking about African-American women, duly elected by their constituents as somehow being less than American and telling them to go back to their own country. Or calling white supremacists and neo-Nazis and Klansmen very fine people. The signal that he is sending is being picked up by Americans who are willing to work on that hatred and racism. And Reverend Sharpton, we saw it brought home to us in El Paso on August 3rd when someone repeating the president's own words in his manifesto opened fire on people in El Paso, Texas, killing 20 two of them in a Walmart on the Saturday before school started yeah. that next Monday. So this is the cost and consequence of Donald Trump. Now some criticism, not just from Republicans, but Democrats as well, for your criticism of the president comparing him uh, to Nazis and Goebbels and Hitler. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you said uh, the other day in an interview with Al Sharpton, President Trump, perhaps inspired by Goebbels and the propagandists of the Third Reich, seemed to employ this tactic that the bigger the lie, the more obscene the injustice, the more dizzying the pace of this bizarre behavior, the less likely you were able to do something about it. Uh, is that not going too far to make a comparison between the President of the United States and the Nazis? Find me a better analogy of another leader of a Western democracy describing all people of one religion as inherently defective or disqualified or dangerous. And that's what the president has done when it comes to Muslims, seeking to ban all Muslims from this country. Repeating the lie that Mexican immigrants pose a, a violent risk to this country, calling them animals and predators and rapists and criminals. Asking four women of color, elected by their constituents to Congress, to go back to their home country and having a, an almost Nuremberg-like rally where people are chanting, send her back. Uh, or inviting the kind of violence based on the racism that he's inspired, where you have another crowd uh, cheering when someone says, shoot them, when the president asks, what do we do about these immigrants? It doesn't just offend our sensibilities. It poses a violent risk to our fellow Americans. 22 shot dead in El Paso, Texas, by a gunman inspired by the president of the United States. But, and but you president. understand the criticism when you make any comparisons to the Holocaust and the Nazis, 
that, that you know, that, it is, that is simply, at least most people say that is unacceptable. It's the comparison of last resort, and, and that's where we are. And, and I don't mean the last resort politically or the last resort in terms of defeating the president in November, but the last resort for this country that is descending into an open racism and intolerance and violence led by the president. Now, whether he said what, 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 it, whether it's what he said about Muslims or immigrants or the way he treats women of color in this country or the fact that he described Klansmen and neo-Nazis as very fine people, um, we can't fail to connect the dots and draw the conclusion about the danger that President Trump accused President Trump of being a Russian asset yourself. Uh, do you have any evidence of that? As a candidate in 2016, he asked on a stage for all the public to see for Russia to find Hillary Clinton's emails. We know that, that Russia followed suit that very day. Agents began to track down Hillary Clinton's emails. We saw him as president on that stage in Helsinki, Finland, next to Vladimir Putin, defending the, the leader of Russia that had invaded and attacked our country instead of the intelligence community here in the United States. We know that he lied to investigators, obstructed justice, pressured other witnesses to lie in the investigation to determine Russia's involvement and his administration's culpability in what happened to our democracy. And then we've seen him follow with President Zelensky of the Ukraine and now with China. So, so beyond the shadow of a doubt, and for everyone to see uh, clearly in black and white, this president has broken the law and has taken the side of Russia instead of the United States. But are you suggesting he's getting orders from Moscow? I'm suggesting he's working in the interests of Russia and defying the interests of the United States. From well, maybe he believes maybe he's, he, he believes he's working in his own self-interest, but that doesn't necessarily make him an agent of Russia. Well, I'll tell you, from, from his uh, invitation to Russia to become involved in this election, to his cover-up of what Russia did in this election, to his defense of uh, Vladimir Putin on that stage in Helsinki, Finland, it really seems very obvious to me that he's working in the best interests of that country against the best interests of this country. And then there are some unanswered questions. The, the transcript of what he said in a one-on-one -on -one meeting with Vladimir P Putin where um, the, the evidence has been destroyed. Um, the, the knowledge that he's placing some things on NSC servers that should not be there, that keep it, make it harder for us to learn the truth. And the fact that only through the Mueller report, the reporting from the press, and whistleblowers within the White House, do we really learn the so truth? So you're not backing away from your accusation that he's a Russian asset? I think he's working in the best interests of, of Russia, working counter to the interests of this country. We see it in what I've just said. We see it in what he just did in Syria, which benefits... You can call Jesse Smollett fake hate crime a lynching, and you can say it when they were going after Clinton. Nobody had problems with that word smithing. But Trump says lynching, now it's bad. I have an example in here to show you the wordsmithing is so bad. Let me get to it. Um, I put it in a different section. Hold one. Sorry. Where the fuck is it? General Jack Assery is where I put it. Here it is, Jake Tapper. Um, this is what happened. Missouri GOP Senator Josh Hawley recently called Washington Post Greg Sargent a smug, rich, liberal elitist. Josh, Josh Hawley. 
Well, only a smug, rich, liberal elitist would say that de- defending your home is phony, pastoral posturing, whatever that means. No, Greg, I don't think living in Missouri is punishment, but this is the new left, utter open contempt for people of the heartland and all we love. Greg Sargent. What's really condescending here is a sort of swarmy, smirky contempt for people's intelligence that Hockley is displaying coming from a leading intellectual light of the new conservative nationalism, this unmasked the phony pastoral posturing that lies at its core. That was the article he put out. So Jake Tapper comes running in. And and, and I want you to remember all the anti-Semitism coming from the left, the BDS movement, people being beaten up in fucking New York and blue states. Jake Tapper, in which Hockley, Missouri, calls a Jewish journalist a smug, rich, liberal elitist. Hockley, for defending my home state of Missouri, liberal media have called me phony, ugly, swami, a racist, and now an anti-Semite. All in 24 hours. This is how they bully those who aren't part of the D.C. club. But I don't care what slurs they use. I will always defend Missouri. I didn't label you anything. I stated a fact. You used those terms to describe a Jewish journalist. Why did you say Greg was rich? What is it about him that suggests he's wealthy? You see? Wordsmith. They can wordsmith. Only they can say heinous things, including the media. The rest of you, oh, no, 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 you can't do it. I mean, they're so fucking flustered. The New York Times put this article out. The deep state is alive and well, composed of patriotic public servants. Their aim is not to bring down President Trump out of personal or political animus, but to rescue the republic from his excesses. That was supposed to be a tinfoil hat conspiracy theory on Fox News. That's how CNN covered it. That's how New York Times covered it. In the article, but still the Patriots come, top of the list, of course, is a still anonymous whistleblower who touched off the impeachment drama by registering his concern about Trump's clandestine effort to pressure Ukraine and conducting investigations that would benefit his re-election campaign. The concerns enumerated in the complaint have since been verified and magnified by multiple administration insiders, despite the White House stonewalling mandate. No, they have not been. Unelected bureaucrats that think their own ideas are better than those of the people that pay the bills. Amend them. They had no problem with Obama excesses and weaponizing of the government against his enemies or his horrid foreign policy actions. But hey, that was their bay. I wonder how long I could keep my job if I refused to do as my employer asked and did all I could to smear and usurp my appointed supervisor. But the one I love the most, these are all replies, New York Times admits there's a deep state finally. First step to recovery. They admit it. How else have they gone to stupidville? Jeffrey Tubin, note the mostly buried news the State Department closed Hillary Clinton's email pro with this verdict. No big deal. As a journalist, I regret my role in blowing this story out of proportion. That tweet wasn't enough because he went to the airways. A new topic, Hillary Clinton's emails. And I'm not kidding. This is back because the State Department just concluded their widespread and comprehensive, I think, investigation into what happened with Hillary Clinton's emails. And they concluded, and I'm just paraphrasing, so correct me if I'm wrong, something to the effect of they were mishandled, they were inappropriately handled in terms of the classification system, but it wasn't intentional. And so after all of the drama Obviously, throughout 2016, on a Friday, they come out and sort of discreetly and quietly announce that conclusion. Yeah. And it's been interesting to see how this very same uh, 
fa- fact pattern that you just described is being interpreted dramatically differently on the right, where many Republicans are saying, well, they mishandled the emails. But clearly, the amount of hysteria around this subject was not warranted. But even to this day, President Trump is still talking about Hillary Clinton's emails and the missing emails and whether or not there's a server in Ukraine and so on and so forth. So it's unlikely that the issue is going to die. But it just we 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 have to be careful about how some of these uh, false controversies get blown up for political purposes, which is exactly what happened with the email. You know, this is also a story about the news media, uh, about how much time we spent on that. And that's something that I have felt a great deal of personal responsibility for because I talked about the emails here in CNN. I wrote about it in The New Yorker. And I think I paid too much attention to them. And I regret that. And I think um, I I hope a lesson is learned. I mean, this story turns out to be you paraphrase. I'm paraphrasing too. a big nothing. And we spent months on it. Hillary Clinton very likely lost the election because of it. And I think um, I should have been think, talking about other issues, not about the emails. I think it is, I think it is a media story, and I'm sorry to have said that because I was going to attack him personally. <laughs> well, but no, no. That's not what the report said. The report actually said there were 600 fucking violations, and a bunch of people could get reprimanded. 600 violations. On face value, anybody in the world would go, well, that must have been something there, there. And how did you cover it, Tubin? How did you cover it, New York Times? How did you cover it, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, and CBS? You covered it just like you covered the IRS. Hillary falling on her face. Fast and Furious. Benghazi. It's right-wing fake scandals. You didn't cover it. The very existence of that email, which we know went to Barack Obama, we know went to the DOJ, and we know it went to fucking reporters, in and of itself makes you all complicit. The only reason that went away and it's still going away is if you literally subjected justice to that, you would have taken down Barack Obama. You would have taken down Eric Holder. She was violating security regulations. And they all knew. And he went on the record and said he never knew she had her own email. Yet there's emails that prove he did respond to Hillary.com or Clinton.com emails. He knew it. But take it all out of just fucking laws, because I understand laws only apply to non-progressives. That's how they apply. Why would you hire somebody to be president who is above regulations, who does whatever the fuck they want? Why? This is what you've been talking about for three years. Trump's won't play by the rules. Trump does his own things. Trump Has people stay in his hotels and still charges them. Trump does this. Trump does that. You fucking hypocrites. So we're going to go to a music break, and we're going to come into Tulsi Gabbard. She got to respond to herself. But before we do that, I want to make sure I don't miss it, because I found it last minute. Steven Crowder exposes 
or expose or exposes. Sorry, I can't read this. I forgot my glasses. You know, I sometimes I misspeak a lot. It's because I'm not wearing my fucking glasses. I really should be wearing my glasses. Maybe on this break, I'll go get my glasses. Tulsi Gabbard's YouTube videos were suppressed on YouTube while she was trending over Hillary Clinton. He showed that on October 18th, that Gabbard was trending on Google and social media for response to allegation by Hillary Clinton that she was a Russian asset. Her search result on YouTube in the United States buried Gabbard's own content on the platform. Because we already know all the big tech is in the bag for Democrats. So as she was getting assaulted as a Russian asset, Literally, YouTube was ensuring she couldn't defend herself. So on the other side, you'll hear her, if you're sick of the new McCarthyism and warmongering by Hillary and her cohorts, and join our campaign, we need your support, Democrat, Republican, Independent, it doesn't matter. We need to unite to usher in a government which is of, by, and for the people. And she was on the Tucker Carlson show. Enjoy some old school rap. See you on the other side. Yo, 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 where you think you're going? What, what do you mean where I think I'm going, honey? I'm, I'm going out with the guys. I thought I told you. Oh, yeah. And guess who's coming with you? I can't take you with me, honey. It'll be embarrassing, you know? What do you the mean embarrassing? That girl. I don't care who's taking me. I promise. I promise. And I'll take you out tonight. Go. Go with your boys. But guess what? You better be back by seven.
all around, move it all around, bounce, pop it up and down, bounce, bounce. Tell me, do you like it? Yeah. Do you want a little more? Yeah. Now tell me, do you love it? Yo te quiero aquí a las siete. Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast with Tony Reed. During a recent podcast, Clinton claimed that both Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein and another unnamed Democrat are, in fact, Russian agents. Hillary didn't name the Democratic Manchurian candidate, but it wasn't hard to guess who she meant. She was talking about Congressman Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii. Earlier today, Congresswoman Gabbard tweeted a response. Thank you, Hillary Clinton. You, the queen of warmongers, the embodiment of corruption, the personification of the rot that has sickened the Democratic Party for so long, have finally come out from behind the curtain. It's now clear that this primary is between you and me. Don't cowardly hide behind your proxies. Join the race directly. End quote. Congresswoman Gabbard is on the road campaigning site and joins us, I believe, from Iowa. Congresswoman, thank you very much for coming on. Let me tell you what this is about. This is about Hillary Clinton sending a very strong message saying that because I am and have long been calling for an end to our country's foreign policy of waging one regime change war after the next, uh, the likes of which we've seen in Iraq, in Libya and ongoing in Syria, and because I'm calling for an end to this new Cold War and nuclear arms race, that I am a Russian asset and that I am a traitor to the nation that I love. And not only are they saying that about me, they are basically saying, sending this message out to every veteran in this country, every service member, every American, anyone watching at home who is fighting for peace and who is calling for an end to these regime change wars, this new Cold War and arms race. They are saying that you are also a Russian asset, that you are also a traitor to this country. That's really what's happening here. But to call someone, I mean, it's one thing to say, I disagree with you. I think you're wrong. You know, you're crazy even, but to say you're betraying your country, and by the way, I should remind our viewers, you're a veteran, uh, but, but that any American is betraying his or her country is, 
is a different level. I, I've never heard anybody at Hillary Clinton's level say something like that. And the reason why she's doing this is because ultimately she knows that she can't control me. That, that I stand for, I stand against everything that she represents. And that if I'm elected president, if I'm the Democratic nominee and elected president, that she won't be able to control me. She won't be able to manipulate me. She won't be able to continue to uh, work from behind the curtain to continue these these regime change wars that have been so costly. Uh, thousands of my brothers and sisters in uniform were killed in Iraq, a war that she championed. Their blood is on her hands. I am calling for an end to these regime change wars. This is why she's speaking out strongly and smearing my character and trying to undermine my campaign. And just as she is doing this to me, this is what will happen to anybody who's doing the same. Yeah, well, I've certainly noticed that. Uh, and it, but I, I will say it's, it's not just Hillary Clinton. So I, one of our producers pulled together a quick list here. Samantha Power, who was one of the chief foreign, foreign policy advisors to uh, President Obama has also gone after you. National security analysts from CNN and, and MSNBC have, have joined in. It, it's almost like the Washington foreign policy establishment may not like Hillary Clinton, but they're united with her on this question. Yeah, well, this, this is something that happened uh, from literally the day I announced my candidacy uh, for president. Uh, as I said in my tweet earlier, it's become very clear now who is behind it and why. And it is Hillary Clinton and her yes. proxies, the warmongering foreign policy establishment, uh, who are, are uh, conducting this, this coordinated smear campaign. And now we know exactly why. It's because I am standing up and speaking out strongly against the Hillary Clinton legacy, the warmongering legacy of waging these yes. regime change wars, continuing to escalate these tensions between the United States, nuclear armed countries like Russia and China, this nuclear arms race bringing more profits to the military industrial complex. As president, I will end these counterproductive policies, these regime change wars, this new Cold War and arms race, and redirect our taxpayer dollars back towards serving the needs of our people right here at home. So I want to send a message, Tucker, to your viewers here tonight. Whether you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian, whoever you are, if you are sick and tired of Hillary Clinton's warmongering policies and corruption, come and join our campaign. We need your support. You can join us at Tulsi2020.com. You think, i got to ask you a final political question. In your response to her, you said, Make it explicit. Get in the race. Any indication she will? Yes. She has been publicly speaking a lot recently. Do you think that's real? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, for her to come out and actually speak for herself, come out from behind the curtain uh, and, and stop using these proxies, then it will again become clear that this is a race between Hillary Clinton and myself. And voters will be given a very clear choice a clear choice between choosing Hillary Clinton and all that she represents and continuing these warmongering policies and corruption or supporting me and my candidacy and the leadership that I seek to bring as a Democrat to take our Democratic Party back so it is a party of, by and for the people, a party that's fighting for peace, fighting for the people, fighting to protect our planet and to lead our country forward, to bring people together around our unifying principles and freedoms and who we are as Americans. And enough of the McCarthyite nonsense. It's, it's really unbelievable. Congressman, thanks so much. Tulsi Gabbard joining us tonight live. Appreciate it. Thank you.
Remember, she dare saith there shouldn't be third trimester abortions. And I truly believe this is all about. She's swimming against the democratic tide. And you're not allowed. And the most important part of this that I want to hit home and why I'm covering Tulsi Gabbard, she is a woman of color. Could the right do that? Do you think Trump could say Tulsi Gabbard is a Russian asset and the media would have carried it? Big tech would have suppressed it? Do you think that would have happened? Seriously. To other hate, White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham responds to Anderson Cooper's segment blasting her. CNN has lost sight of the fact that we are human beings. Here's the original com- comment by Anderson Cooper. Does everyone working with the president have to debase themselves and lie like he does? Apparently so. I thought John Grisham was a great storyteller, but i got to say Stephanie Grisham may have him beat. Her response, I think CNN has lost sight of the fact that we are human beings. Just as Anderson Cooper has a job to do, working for a company is proud of, so do I. I also imagine he had a personal life where he had to juggle quite a bit, and the same goes for him. But what you forget, Stephanie Grisham, is he is all liberal. He's not a journalist. He's never been a journalist. He's a gay guy. He's an uber-lefty gay guy who only cares about uber-lefty stuff. Before we go into impeachment, which I, I'm still going to keep covering when they do stupid shit, another soundbite that just got ganked was Johnson. And that was a big flubbub where he couldn't talk on Chuck Todd's. So I'm going to let him talk. And then we'll go into some sound bites of the impeachment. Starting with Schiff having a censure blocked by the left for his conduct. Which, once again, if he was a Republican, falsifying statements and doing all the shit he does, oh my God, they would never, the media would never play it this way. Mark, you know, I'm from the private sector. You know, once I entered the public realm, what has really been reinforced to me. Because, you know, I listen to you, I listen to Rush, I'm, you know, I'm a fan. Um, I've always known the bias in the media, but what I've really, what's been really, really reinforced to me is the bias in the media is, is revealed far more in what they don't report, what they're not curious about, versus the very overt and, and real bias in what they do report. So it really is. It's, it's, if they're not curious about something, if they're not reporting it, it's not a news story. And that's what drives conservatives, that's what drives me, it drives you, it drives President uh, Trump nuts. Mm-hmm. Now, you've uh, been looking into this Ukraine matter for a long time, long before the last month or two. Um, was Ukraine involved in the 2016 campaign on whose side and how? Well, again, this is according to Politico. Uh, Chuck Rassa and I have a, an oversight letter in referring to that article. Things written by Ken Vogel, who now works for the New York Times. And again, he's talking about the potential of the Hillary Clinton campaign, the DNC involvement, working with potentially corrupt actors in Ukraine, trying to dig up dirt on President Trump or candidate Trump at that point in time, Paul Manafort. But, you know, it's also very possible, and people don't really realize this as well, but, you know, Hillary Clinton had a primary. Uh, there was one Joe Biden potentially getting into that race as well. Uh, is it just 
possible or plausible that maybe the DNC, maybe Hillary Clinton campaign was also trying to dig up dirt on, on Joe Biden back then in Ukraine? So no, there, there, there are so many questions. I, I'm, I'm really not throwing out any accusations. I'm not making any allegations. I'm just saying there's so many questions that remain unanswered, and they really remain unanswered because, by and large, the press has no curiosity about trying to get the answers to these things. Uh, you know, Chuck Todd cut me off when I started talking about the December 15th, 2016 text from Peter Strzok to Lisa Page. You know, paraphr- I'm not going to cut you off. You go Okay. Uh, uh, can I quote it? I yeah, have- yeah, go ahead. I think you've got that. December 15, 2016, text from Peter Strzok to Lisa Page, quote, think our sisters, would be the CIA intelligence the agencies, agencies right? have begun leaking like mad, scorned and worried and political, they're kicking into overdrive. Again, this is during the transition, a little bit more than a month after the election. Uh, six days before that is the first story that breaks. CIA, and CIA is actually attributed to this leak. The story is December 9, 2016, Boston Globe, Washington Post headline, CIA, Russia tried to help Trump when the CIA has concluded in a secret assessment that Russia intervened in the 2016 election to help Donald Trump win the presidency. Is that what you're talking about? Precisely. No, Mark, one of the things I had my staff do, this was, uh, I think, July of 2017, we issued a report because uh, of all these leaks. And so I had a, a, a seasoned uh, reporter on my staff from the Washington Post, one of the few conservatives. And, uh, you know, we, we looked with Alexa Search, so let's, let's take a look at all these news stories that, that are talking about a leak. And in that... This in, document here? Yes. In just 125 days, 126 days, there were 125 leaks, you know, into the news media. 62 of those had to do with national security. And that compares to, in the same time period, nine in the Bush administration and eight under Obama. 62 national security leaks. And this is where this, this whole narrative began back in December with, with Trump, you know, the campaign being aided by Russia and then finally turning into Trump colluded with Russia to steal the election from Hillary Clinton. And, and that's resulted in a special counsel and has done great damage, I would argue, to this democracy. You think the FBI and the CIA set up this president, don't you? I have my suspicions. Let's put it that way. And again, when you've got Peter Strzok texting Lisa Page about his sisters are leaking like mad, what are they worried about? He talks about them being political, you know, kicking it overdrive. And that's all I asked Chuck Todd. I said, hey, you got John Brennan on your show. Why don't you ask him what he was leaking or what the CIA might have been leaking? What, what was he potentially worried about? But Chuck didn't ask John Brennan that, that question at all. Now, later today, House Republicans are expected to push a vote on a resolution to censure House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, criticizing how he's handled the impeachment investigation. It's important to point out, though, Savannah, it's a move that's largely symbolic and is not expected to pass. From Congressman Fred Keller, Representative Schiff has engaged in lies, misrepresentation, obfuscation during his impeachment inquiry. I'm co-sponsoring this resolution because he needs to be held accountable. Kevin McCarthy, we're calling up a resolution that condemns Chairman Adam Schiff and the way he has abused his power to mislead the American people. Read the complete censure resolution here. We're calling up a resolution that condemns Chairman Schiff, blah, 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 blah. Let's be honest. The man has been lying to the American people since the moment Trump was elected. If a Republican went on TV and did what he has done for three years against Barack Hussein Obama, 
You'd lose your fucking mind, Democrats, progressives, and Chuck Todd Seltzer Tapper would melt the fuck down. It would not be tolerated conduct. Disrespecting the office of the President of the United States. Lying to the American people. Everything he said is a lie. And currently, Cheryl Ackerson, or Cheryl Ackerson asked the question. Just so on the same page, we've stopped talking about the original whistleblower, right? It's disappeared from the news. It's gone. We moved off that. I mean, it's out of control. Here is a soundbite of MSNBC giddy over the talking points. And Seltzer saying, we're reporting facts. He has to do this because for three years they keep saying they have smoking guns and facts. And none of it's true. And we have breaking news on that impeachment inquiry coming to us out of Washington, where we are just learning that House Democrats are honing in on a framework for their impeachment case against President Trump. They are really narrowing the case on this impeachment framework to a simple abuse of power case against the president. Contrary to the Mueller investigation, where Democrats felt they had very compelling evidence, but the narrative got too fuzzed up. It was hard to communicate to the American people. They want to keep this very simple. The main messaging and the narrative and the overarching uh, article that they are discussing now on abuse of power, that is very much in play and very much formulated. Abuse of power, again, is the very first bullet in terms of the talking points that have been distributed to the entire Democratic caucus. They're very methodically building this case and this blockbuster reporting, I think, from Heidi Prisbala, that in fact, they're zeroing in on a framework for impeachment. Democrats want to keep their impeachment inquiry as streamlined as possible, as focused as possible, and they want to move it as quickly as possible. Although, as one House Democrat said to me last week, their problem is as he saw it, that the president is a one-man crime wave who keeps committing offenses that could be considered impeachable. Hey, I tell you, something else to always remember, Mika, is that we always have to remember is that when a pollster calls up and says, do you support the president, do you not support the president, a lot of people in the tribes they go to their corner yeah. and don't always say exactly what they what they think. It, so it, just like people used to be ashamed to admit they support Donald Trump. In fact, it, it, nobody would admit to us whenever right. we went around and, and gave talks. Nobody would admit that they were voting for Donald Trump. And at one point, I just started saying, you're all lying because <laughs> you're all voting for him. Stop lying. And then they'd laugh and go, yeah, we are. Well, now, as Donald Trump exits uh, stage uh, left, uh, I suspect that we will see the same thing, where people will be reluctant to admit publicly that they can't put up with him anymore. But I had the funniest conversation with a guy in Florida about a month ago, and uh, he knew I was on TV but didn't watch the show that much because he always got up early golfing. And he goes, weren't you a Republican congressman? I go, yeah, yeah, I was. And I had no idea that, that uh, you know, I, I'm a conservative, but I have problems with Donald Trump. He goes... What are we going to do with that guy? 
I, I can't stand the Democrats. I can't stand Hillary. I can't stand Elizabeth Warren. I can't vote for any of those people. But, man, he's out of control. We need Mike Pence in the White House. He's, and he went on and on and on. And I felt, Willie, you'll remember this. I felt like I was Eddie Murphy in that scene where uh, everybody thought he was white. And he mm. went behind the scenes to see what oh, yeah. happened uh, when he went around. And suddenly he found out that bankers gave white people money and didn't make them sign loans or anything like that. It was a peek behind the curtain. So it may say, say 92% there in, is supporting you know, Donald Trump and not wanting the impeachment inquiry. But, Nika, it's, it's actually the fear and loathing is rising. And that is something that Republican members of the Hill are picking up on. You know, we're talking about these misstatements from the president. Eric, you wrote something this week that really um, spoke to me. You talked about how it's difficult to use neutral-sounding language to describe what the president does because that makes it sound like you have an ax to grind. Great example today. The president misspells the defense secretary's name on Twitter. Mark Esper is his name. The president wrote Esperanto. Maybe it was just an autocorrect. I make lots of autocorrect mistakes on my phone. Absolutely. <laughs> but the president should have a proofreader. And just talking about it like this, just neutrally saying what happened, sounds like an attack. It does. And this is, you know, we talked about Shep Smith. We talked about CNN gets uh, hammered for this every single day. It's, it's, it's people come on the air and say that Trump just mocked uh, a reporter with a disability. Well, that happens to be the fact. And, yeah, back during the and, campaign, one of these right. first times we're just stating the truth. Right. It seemed like. Yeah. Or the Trump said, is on tape saying that he was going to grab or that he had made a practice of grabbing women by the pussy. That also is a very neutral statement from, uh, from a factual standpoint. And it sounds like a condemnation. The facts double as condemnations under Trump. I think that's that. And that has blown up <laughs> the traditional <laughs> model of broadcasting because you always want to sound measured. And right. Neutral. And just neutral. So how do you handle I mean, let's be honest. Since 2016, our media betters have had more of a vested interest in impeaching Trump, more push to impeach him, more push to find stories that are negative for Trump than I've ever seen with any president ever. They relished in Bush. He lied, people died. They did push and I think it was the turning point for our media from going from faking being objective to we give no shits. Fox News is successful having a conservative evening and a right-of-center news presence. We're just going to go all left and we'll pull up, pull up the whole country because demographics show there's not going to be any white people left that live in the middle of the country. It's only going to be people of color, gays, trans that live in the city. So... That'll be where we make our money, and we're going to just go straight up and blame him for Katrina. He didn't care about black people. He went out on the beach with Dick Cheney, and they willed Katrina into New Orleans. That's what they did. That was their fault. It's not the, no, you shut your mouth about local politicians and governments that are supposed to handle those things and then ask for the federal government. Shut your mouth. Stop talking about buses underwater that could have got all those people out of there and they wouldn't have to go to the Superdome. You shut up. Now they're just part of it. Probably the best segment I have on here that I should do every fucking podcast is literally media pushing the left. They're the ones pushing it. Every week I play a soundbite. It's either Chuck Todd saying it's not going fast enough or MSNBC. Oh, these talking points are great. Or a total collage of the media 
saying the exact same things that Nancy Pelosi and the left are saying. I'm not the only one. David Rubin. Seems obvious that CNN is no longer a news organization, but rather a DNC tool. You don't even need the Project Veritas leaks. Just look at their on-air talent Twitter feeds. They don't even hide it. But allow me to use two specific recent examples. Shared this with Jake Tapper and Brian Seltzer last week. Over 30K likes, no response, of course. They saw it. Seltzer particularly gets no real traction on his tweets. It's obviously newsworthy, and if he had been reversed, they both would have led on it. Then a few days ago, I tweeted about Twitter shadow banning. Senior media reporter at CNN, Oliver Darcy, responded with a condescending tweet rather than inquire about it. Isn't that what a journalist would do? Also, I couldn't get as few likes and tweets as him if I tried. When your tweets aren't up to par, you can't, just can't accept it. That's that's what he said. That, that's what he said. That's that's a journalist. That that's a fucking journalist. Here is literally uh, what he tweeted to both of them. Hi, CNN. Dave here. If a man in a mega hat choked on an Ilian Omer supporter, I think maybe you just, maybe you might cover it. And I'll, I'll put the, the, the music up. Here we go. Blast, motherfucker. Fuck you, bitch. Fuck you, bitch. Alpha News Minnesota captures moment when a man in a I stand with Ilian Omar shirt chokes a man who tries to retrieve a stolen mega hat. Other Antifa people then kick and punch him. He was trying to leave the area after the Trump rally in Minneapolis last week. I think I played this on the show. He's getting beaten right now. And they took his hat and put it on the burn pile. He's still getting beaten. He's still getting punched. Apple ass motherfucker. Response to this, they want somebody to pull a gun on them, don't they? They're hoping one of them will get shot and they'll gain some sympathy. I wish Trump would invite these abused Patriot supporters to the White House and put them in the Oval Office of the whole world to see while declaring Antifa a terrorist organization. I guess a half billion in security just don't get you much anymore. Hope this doesn't offend, buddy. It's not intended to. But if a Jew was walking through a Nazi crowd in Berlin in the mid-30s, I think this is the kind of treatment they would have got. That's the level we've gotten to. Such unmitigated hatred, thinking they're virtuous. Another person. We can no longer view these news organizations the way we used to. Murrow and Cronkite are long gone. They've been replaced by wrestling announcers employed only to help sell the action of the storylines that have been agreed to. And lastly... Because kicking and choking someone will make them change their vote. Didn't cover it, folks. But they don't. That doesn't live in what they want. They want they want to continue with the white supremacy violence, LGBT violence that's just not there. 
They are so revved up for impeachment. Keon Lunn, CNN. I don't think he works for CNN. As a real Donald Trump blames the Democrats for his reversal host the G7 as resort, CNN posts the emoluments, emolument clauses of the U.S. Constitution. I can never say the emolument clauses. I just can't say it. Brian Seltzer, I wasn't really joking earlier this month when I said that we have a U.S. Constitution graphic template and we're going to be using it a lot. So now you care about the Constitution. You didn't care under Obama. Whenever somebody actually rightfully or factually pointed out that he was violating the Constitution with this action of sending boatloads of fucking cash or plane loads to Iran, you just said he was a he's a constitutional lawyer or professor. He he, he knows everything. Once again, you're a racist. I mean that's what that's how you handle it. Politico, once again, they they're trying everything to get people to vote against Trump. This is the media, not the left. I mean, the left you expect, the media. Politico enters time machine to present dystopian vision of Trump's second turn. On Monday, Politico magazine pondered the unthinkable for liberals. What if Trump actually wins? In order to represent his dystopian future, Politico senior White House reporter Darren Shamoson, Samuelson with the S-O-H-N, took us on a trip to possibly near future in a time machine. Although it was his obvious attempt to frighten readers with the imagined Trump dystopian of a second term, the result was so absurd that he was provided unintentional comedy gold. So step into the Politico time machine, set the dial to January 2021, and let the flux capacitor power our trip to the apocalypse. Trump future, which you can read about, what if Trump wins? The time is January 2021. The election has left the nation psychological mess and a sulfurous cloud of election meddling by foreign hackers hangs over the still contested results. You know if Trump wins, the left's going to say Ukraine helped him. I think that's why they're setting this up. I read a tweet the other day from somebody that said that, and I thought, well, goddamn, they probably are. They pl- they planted Russia right before the election in July of 2016 because they were seeing the internals and Clinton wasn't doing well. Trump's Ukraine scandal ultimately spared him, but it wound- wounded Joe Biden enough to give Elizabeth Warren the nomination. Once again, though, the results came down to Electoral College, but even closer than in 2016. Warren, like Hillary Clinton four years earlier, took the popular vote by a resounding margin, because of California, he's not going to add. But this mixed verdict has done nothing but further entrench the battle lines of a civil war that has been becoming more than just a metaphor. Wow, a civil war already. Since this is science fiction, can we expect to see the evil Trump Skynet hunting down the brave resistance? <laughs> On January 20th, Trump takes the oath of office, vowing in the shadow of the Capitol for a second time that he would, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. It's seen as unlike anything before in the country. What's always been a high-security event takes on a militaristic tone, with Trump ordering U.S. troops onto the streets of the Washington as a show of force to turn more riots. His family surrounds him along with loyal base of congressional Republicans who, but for a few detractors, hung on during his first four years and most notably voted to keep him in office and defeat impeachment. Democrats still seething at Trump's flagrant constitutional violations. Boycott the event en masse. The first time in modern history this has happened. Their seats are given away in a lottery open to Trump supporters. Something seems to be missing, of course. The screaming woman in a lime green jacket at Trump's first inauguration. No Trump inauguration inauguration could be complete without her participation. Something else is notable, too. The four living presidents 
Barack Obama, Clinton, Carter joined Bush in a protocol-busting protest. They skipped Trump's inaugural ceremony and accept Carter's invitation to hand out meals at a Washington, D.C. homeless shelter. Oh, look at them. Former Obama could prepare the arugula salad, but wouldn't it have been more impactful if all the former presidents also washed the feet of poor to demonstrate their moral superiority over the bad orange man? That's true. Now cue up the Sydney Whiplash music. After the inaugural parade, which includes tanks for the first time in a half century, the president goes into a White House, takes out a handwritten enemies list of people who work for him, and makes Jared Kushner fire everyone on it. The casualty includes Ross, Devos, Ben Carson, Pompeo, Esper, Resign, having been blamed by Trump for Ukraine. Steve Munchen is the only original cabinet member still in good graces. And now we have Trump as a latter-day Louis the... Louis the not uh, 19th with Margo Mar-a-Lago substituting for Versailles Palace. As Washington freezes through the end of winter, Trump moves his administration temporarily to Mar-a-Lago. He's golfing six days a week with the likes of celebrity admirers Rush Limbaugh, Kid Rock, Tiger Woods, but finds time between rounds to lob Twitter grenades at anyone who crossed him during the first four years. And finally, we get to the recession the Democrats have been praying for, but which hasn't happened much to their sorrow. Trump keeps trying to goose his government to action as the summer of 2021 arrives. He's, stating, he's starting to sweat the U.S. economy in the months after the long-anticipated recession became official that April, with a second consecutive quarter of negative growth, Samuelson is on time machine roll as his vision get even nuttier while simultaneously getting it even funnier. Trump also leans in harder on Justice Department. First, he orders Robert F. Kennedy's name removed from the building headquarters in Washington and replaces it with Rudy Giuliani, the former New York mayor and personal lawyer to president whom Trump has installed as the director of revamped and celebratory Voice of America. Now, fasten your seatbelts. It goes into overdrive. Meanwhile, the two remaining Bill Clinton-appointed justices, Bader Ginsburg and Stephen Breyer, maximize their cardiovascular workouts and adopt strict Mediterranean diets. Jesus Christ. There's much, much more to come from this time machine. Trump also spends his time talking about his legacy and whom he wants to replace in the White House. After dropping hints in private for months, he finally sends out a tweet on July 4, 2022, that he doesn't support Pence. Great guy, tremendous veep, but it's time for some new blood, he writes. Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul back out by Labor Day. The field is cleared for Ivanka Trump to take the party's nomination 17 months before anyone has participated in a caucus or primary. Jesus Christ, these people are fuck. You know, if you're gonna fucking do fantasy, makes sense. This, this is such a shit show. Not Trump. His timeline on Twitter is a shit show. They're now backing it up to between Thanksgiving and Christmas to try to get a vote. Cause there's nothing there. This is just cause they're scared they're gonna lose. Senator, uh, John Kennedy criticized House Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi on Saturday for using an impeachment inquiry against the President as a way to undo the 2016 presidential election, which Democrats suggest was wrongly decided by the American people. When I watched the House impeachment proceedings, I am both perplexed and appalled, Kennedy told Fox. Here is what I hear Speaker Pelosi and Schiff saying to the American people, you're stupid and we are smart. I hear them saying to the American people, you are so stupid, you can't govern yourself. 
I hear them saying you're so stupid that you chose President Trump over Hillary Clinton, and we are going to fix it for you. I hear them saying you're so stupid, we're not even going to show you the evidence, you can't handle it. We're going to do it all this behind closed door, and then tell people what we're going to do. Why do you think conservatives are so froggy? Any liberals out there? Oh, they're sucking Trump's ass. Remember a couple podcasts ago I said they had a meeting and they showed the Ukraine evidence from the intelligence committees and it's mostly Democrats. So they came out to the media and the media handlers took their talking points and ran for it for the week that it was just conservative propaganda. Remember, this Biden thing is bad for Dems. Remember, the New York Times reported Hillary was working with Ukraine. Remember, we have shown on the show the New York Times, WAPO, and reporters from all the major news networks were in Ukraine working with them to get dirt on Trump during an election. There is more proof of left election meddling with a foreign country than there is right. But you're doing it again. You're spinning up a nothing burger. You're making it huge in the hopes it's going to push people not to vote for Trump. And it works when you do your polls, swayed 39% liberal, comes out 50-50. I think the best they've gotten is 54 But then you look at the inlays of those polls, and it's 39% Democrat, 30% Republican, the rest independent. And it all goes to where you're calling. Let's be honest. If I do a poll in Woodlawn, Tennessee about Trump, it's going to be way slanted for Trump. It's a red state. If I do a poll in Portland, Oregon... It is going to be moon bat blue. So left, you can't see the the earth anymore, man. It's gone. Brett Hume, Byron York tries to clean up the considerable mess major media outlets have made of whether Trump withheld aid to Ukraine. Here it is. Kind of surprised so many press reports said Mulvaney admitted Trump withheld aid to push Ukraine to investigate Democrats. In fact, Mulvaney said Trump wanted a probe of the 2016 Russian investigation. That is simply not investigating Democrats. One fact that has gotten lost in the Mulvaney controversy is that the chief of staff clearly said Trump held up aid to Ukraine in part because he, Trump, wanted Ukraine to assist in the Durham investigation. At the same time, Mulvaney just as clearly denied that investigation the Bidens played any role in Trump's decision with old aid. Some press coverage conflated the two and reported that Mulvaney had, had admitted Trump held up the aid while demanding Ukraine investigate Democrats. Mulvaney, the New York Times said, told reporters that military aid was held back in part to prod Ukraine to investigate Democrats. The Washington Post reported that Mulvaney admitted that Trump withheld aid meant to Ukraine to push the government there to investigate Democrats. But that is not what Mulvaney said at all. Investigating the roots of the Trump-Russia investigation is not investigating Democrats. It is investigating the actions of U.S. intelligent law enforcement agency during the 2016 campaign. Holding back aid to force Ukraine to investigate the Bidens would be investigating Democrats. But Mulvaney specifically denied that Trump did it. How did they flip it? They said he came back and repeated it, but he had to repeat it because you motherfuckers ran with Democrats. 
And then you went out and pushed that. And if it was so, you'd already have a vote. We're weeks down the road. But it's not what's there. Jerry V's. Well, it is investigating Democrats. They were the party using foreign sources to dig up dirt on Trump and help Hillary win. And that's the meeting that they're saying is propaganda. So then the DOJ reviews the origin of Russian probe expanding CIA official officials. They're hiring lawyers. Funny. I don't recall NBC Investigates expressing concern about the legal or factual basis for a Mueller-Russia investigation. I wonder what different sect, uh, attorney John Durham has requested to talk to CIA analysts involved in intelligence assessment of Russian activities, prompting some of them to hire lawyers. Durham also requested to talk to CIA analysts involved in intelligence assessment of Russia activities, prompting some of them to hire lawyers. There's a repeating itself. Skeptics have been trying to track Durham's movements, say he has yet to interview key figures, including former Deputy FBI Director McCabe, or Zork, or James Baker, or fucking the other lovebird. But NBC went to the news, or went to the air, and you can't do that. Attorney General William Barr's investigation into the origins of the Mueller probe has apparently gone a lot farther than previously known, digging into CIA and FBI decision-making under President Obama, with lead prosecutor John Durham taking on more staff in the push to speak with current and former intelligence officials in the U.S. and overseas. Among the concerns, a Western intelligence official familiar with what Durham has been asking of foreign officials says his inquiries track closely with the questions raised about the Russia investigation in right-wing media. Joining me now, MSNBC Global Affairs contributor, Ambassador Wendy Sherman, a former Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs, and MSNBC National Security Analyst, Ned Price, a former Senior Director in President Obama's National Security Council. Welcome both. Uh, Wendy Sherman, this investigation seems to be looking into whether Ukraine and others started the Mueller investigation, whether the FBI and the CIA were wrong to have a counterintelligence investigation, and wanting to look into the background of both John Brennan and, and uh, DNI Clapper, former DNI Clapper, who, of course, had a 50-plus uh, career in the military. Yes, Andrea. From the outside, this looks like a continuation of undermining the institutions of the United States government. Uh, the theory, it appears, that Attorney General Barr is operating under is a debunked conspiracy theory that I think Ned can elaborate even more than I can. Uh, it's really crazy, to be perfectly frank. Uh, Durham ha is a professional, uh, but nonetheless, it is quite concerning about what they're doing. And indeed, I think it's raising questions among uh, diplomats around the world uh, who are being questioned about whether, in fact, Russia... Uh, was responsible for interfering in our election. Of course, they were. All of our intelligence agencies, all 17 of them, have said that they did. Uh, and we need to really be on our toes about what will happen in the upcoming election. And in fact, the, the previous DNI, um, Dan Coates, said the same thing. When Ned Price, you form formerly was, were with the intelligence team as well. You were CIA. James Clapper and John Brennan would have to lawyer up. A lot of other CIA officials apparently are already lawyering up. This is getting out of 
out of bounds, is it not? It, to be totally frank, I, I am less concerned about John Brennan and Jim Clapper, both of whom I admire and respect greatly, and much more concerned about the rank-and-file CIA analysts who apparently have had to lawyer up because of this. Look, I think uh, it's fair to say we have every reason to believe this inquiry is not about the past. This is not about what happened in 2016. And I fear, on the other hand, this is about the future. This is about the Trump administration once again trying to do Trump's political bidding. I say it's not about the past because there have been any number of looks back at what happened in 2016. Wendy referred to uh, the high confidence intelligence assessment released in January 2017 uh, that relayed this unanimous finding. The Senate Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee echoed that finding in its bipartisan report. And most importantly, the DOJ Inspector General Michael Horowitz has undertaken a comprehensive review of FBI and DOJ actions in 2016, precisely what John Durham is supposed to be doing in this review. So if it's not about the past, I think we have to uh, assume, really, that this once again is Bill Barr trying to create out of whole cloth a talking point for President Trump, for President Trump to say he was treated unfairly, um, he was mistreated by the intelligence community, and even more concerning, I think, Andrea, this is uh, this will send a signal to intelligence analysts that you should follow the truth as long as the truth doesn't lead you close to... Let's state the obvious. Our media believes it's okay for Democrats to protest, disrespect the office, and investigate anything about a president. During Obama's eight years, any investigation was witch hunts, it was propaganda, it was just political posturing, Chuck Todd said. It's not real. So for now four years, you've investigated this president trying to find anything about Russia, Ukraine, whatever you can to try to impeach him because you want him gone. You're scared that he'll win again and keep stacking the federal courts with conservatives, which would have been done by any president who has an R next to his name. And then they go back and they start doing stuff. And to date, we already know that the FBI knew the Steele document was all bullshit, but they used it anyway. And that's been actually out of Comey's mouth. It won't be in the new series next year on CBS, but it, it, it was out of his mouth. They knew it wasn't true. We know that Hillary was in Ukraine looking for dirt. The DNC was in Ukraine. We know that reporters were in Ukraine. And I really want you to think about something. Why wouldn't the DOJ start investigating Democrats? If we're going to do an election season under the guise of a faux impeachment, number four impeachment that we've had in less than, well, it's less than three years, why wouldn't they start looking into what Democrats are doing? You've made that okay, so why wouldn't they? And through all this fucking Russian probe, we wanted to get to the bottom of interference in our election. But when we find out it's Democratic interference, after we found out that the DNC took an election from Bernie Sanders, and we found out that the DNC seat-filled their fucking convention because everybody walked out and stormed the press tents that we saw on Twitter and I played on the show, but not a single network played it and said it was the best convention ever that didn't have any flags but then had too many flags in our upteenth 
she's the most qualified ever. Why would we not find out how its origins was? Who started it? I mean, for Christ's sake, folks, in my lifetime, we have proof that the IRS was persecuting people that were conservative, trying to get 501Cs, which we all know is just bullshit, political bullcrap, that you can have a non, or a ta- non-taxable fucking organization that is all political. Nothing happened. Fast and furious. Nothing happened. No investigative journalist. Went out there and looked for it. Kids in cages in 2012. Nobody investigated that. Now we show pictures of 2012 and say it's from current day. And we have riots on the border then. Nobody cared. Now, oh my God. I mean, how many things can we list? Benghazi itself. That They tried to make Benghazi out of an ambush in Africa. That Trump wasn't overseeing, but Obama was. And Hillary was the actual candidate. Her server. Her health. Ukraine. What am I getting to? Why would you believe the media is not biased? I still am so shocked when I see people that believe ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, fucking CNN and MSDNC are not liberal talking points, propaganda, and communication divisions for the Democratic National Committee. You in 1.3 seconds will say Fox is crooked as fuck, but you'll watch all this and go, whoa. I mean, just her health. I've said it on the show, my mom didn't vote for McCain because she thought he was already dead. Hillary had seizures, was falling down all the time, and you were a sexist if you pointed that out. The media scoffed at journalists from Fox reporting it. And now you've had three impeachment votes. You've had multiple, he's done high crime and misdemeanor. You have a whistleblower that had nothing to do with the conversation and made shit up. You had the chief of that committee make shit up in the hearing. So you took it all behind closed doors. You have documents that came out that showed the Democratic meddling. And then you have articles like this. New York Times. Party leaders who are worried about Democrats' chances in 2020 are wondering about possible late entrance to the race. Sherrod Brown, Michelle Obama, Jonathan Martin. Tis the season. Bloomberg and Hillary have told folks to run if they were if there was an opening. Kerry has shown sign of regret, is worried about Biden. Sherrod is getting more calls urging him to reconsider. Holder still talking about it. Byron York. Nervous Democrats who took their presidential field and say, could anybody else run? It is a regular, if not quite quite quadrennial tradition for a party that can be fatalistic about its prospects and recall similar Maylox moments Democrats endured in 92, 2004, and in the last primary, when it was Mr. Biden who nearly entered the race in October. But the mood of alarm is even more intense because of the party's hunger to defeat President Trump. There's more anxiety than ever, said Connie Schultz. 
you literally know your candidates are horrible. Your leading candidate is worse than Hillary. She used intersectionality to get jobs and is less Indian than me. Yet we played at nauseum the media defending her. So on this impeachment shit, I'm going to let Cheryl Ackerson close us out about the media, and then we'll go into general jackassery. The war between the media and Donald Trump sometimes looks like one of mutually assured destruction, and sometimes truth is a casualty. We talk about that with Fox News media critic Howie Kurtz, author of Media Madness, Donald Trump, the Press, and the War Over the Truth. In your view, did Donald Trump cause the media to descend into madness or just expose media madness that was already in existence? The media's uh, credibility problems were maybe more like a fever. And once uh, Trump trauma took effect, that's what I call it, uh, I think that he sort of made the media go crazy. And that's not to let the press off the hook. But there's something so visceral in the response of many journalists and pundits to the Trump presidency, to Donald Trump himself. I mean, in addition to the fact that you might expect him to be ideologically opposed to a lot of what he wants to do, he just drives him up the wall. They sort of never fully accept many of them that he is the president. Uh, and so I think that's where I got the madness in the title. For the press, Donald Trump has become like the great white whale. And uh, it is hard to avoid the conclusion that so many journalists uh, are invested in an outcome that either seems him driven from office or defeated in 2020. And so neither side has any incentive to end the war. So in some way, both sides benefit. In some ways, both sides benefit, but I'm not so sure the country benefits because um, with the press briefings largely fading away and with the constant hostility, uh, it's become harder for all of us to agree on a common set of facts. That's one of the casualties, I think, of this all-out war between Trump and the media. The sadness is, I think Trump just once again highlights and brings out what was already there. Here's ABC Major pundit, used to bash him on the show, I kind of quit. <clears throat> Megan Kelly, yes, I could just sit back and enjoy my money. Oh, I'm sorry, Matthew Dowd. But instead, I'm chosen to speak up for women being harassed and abused who have been muzzled by NDAs. Sorry you find that so annoying, Matthew Dowd. Megan, I'm all for that, and if you read my feel, you would know that. However, did you stand up for Chrisley Blasey Ford, Anita Hill, and all the accusers of President Trump? Also, I know you are blasting NBC, but I don't see you saying much about Fox. Her response. Um, there's a whole movie about me standing up for women at Fox, and I put Trump accusers on the air. Also, my job as a reporter is not to stand up for Blasey Ford. It was to report fairly on her without taking a side. You should try it sometime. By the way, I devote an entire chapter of my book to harassment scandal at Fox and discussed it on virtually every network. It was a number one bestseller. You should read it. That's a reporter. Why? Why would you say that? Stand up for Blasey Ford? It's been proven she lied. People from that investigation are actually getting charged. Then we got this one. 
Georgia Democratic candidate John Ostoff Senate campaign. Jim Barksdale, a former Georgia State candidate himself, donated 5600 to Ostoff's bid to unseat David Perdue in both the primary and general election. He's an original truther. Would birthers be able to donate? I'm just asking for a friend. Then we got this one. Romney mocked after using secret Twitter account to defend himself. Mitt Romney was mocked Sunday evening after a new report revealed that he appeared to have used a secret Twitter account to defend himself against critics online. During an interview with The Atlantic, Romney made the revelation that he had a secret Twitter account, the kind of what he does, Romney said with a shrug, and then got up to retrieve an iPad. He explained that he uses a secret Twitter account. What do they call me? A lurker? To keep tabs on political conversation. I won't give you the name of it, he said. I'm following 668 people. Swiping in his tablet, he recited some of the accounts he follows, including journalists, late-night comedians, which are all lefties, and athletes. Trump was not among them. He tweets so much, Romney said, comparing the president to one of his nieces who overshares a Twitter account or an Instagram. I love her, but it's like, ah, oh, it's too much. Hours later, Slate published a report that appears to have identified Romney's secret Twitter account, Pierre Delecto. Slate identified what appeared to be Romney's secret Twitter account by identifying which of the Romney family members have the smallest following on platform, and then going through their accounts to find out the account joined the site in July 2011, just one month after Romney announced his run for president. The majority of the people it follows are either political reporters, politicians, or political operatives. CNN investigates reporter Andrew Kaczynski noted that the account followed a lot of Romney 2012 aides. Chris Saliza. This, this shows our media. Think about this. The 2012 Republican presidential nominee had a sitting U.S. senator and a sitting U.S. senator felt the need to defend his commitment to his party from behind the veneer of a fake person's account on Twitter. This is the guy says for the millionth time, reporters don't take sides. That's how you twisted this? Beckett Adams. Probably because unlike the 2016 Democratic presidential nominee he does not have any army of journalists to do it for him speaking of which are we going to talk more about clinton falsely claiming she lost wisconsin because of voter suppression maybe a little more time for the 2016 candidate disputing the results of a national election or are we going to keep after romney's sock puppet account Celeza never responded stephen gutowski takes on the big gun shit I asked the biggest police groups in America what they thought of Beto's plan to send police to take certain guns from Americans in mass, and they were not shy about slamming it from the free beacon. National law enforcement organization harshly criticized Democratic presidential candidate O'Rourke's plan to send police officers to collect AK-47s and AR-15s and mandatory buyback. In interviews with Washington, Washington Free Beacon, Leaders from the groups representing hundreds of thousands of law enforcement officers described Beto's confiscation plan as ridiculous, asinine, and unconstitutional. National Fraternal Order of Police said the plan was inconsistent with the Second Amendment and mocked Beto's polling numbers. A leader of the National 
Fraternal Order of Police, the nation's largest police union, representing more than 330,000 sworn law enforcement officers, said that not only was Beto's plan unlikely to be constitutional, but that Beto himself was unlikely to ever be president. Mr. O'Rourke may not be aware that state and local police officers who comprise more than 90% of all police in the U.S. receive their orders from the local jurisdictions, not from federal government, Jim Prasco, <coughs> executive director of FOP, wrote in an email to Free Beacon. Further, any such legislation, if it passed, would no doubt be vigorously litigated with a view to its apparent inconsistencies with the Second Amendment. In view of foregoing and in the view of Mr. O'Rourke's current standing in the polls, we do not view this as an issue we will have to grapple with. <laughs> Sheriff A.J. Lauterbach, a committee member for the National Sheriff's Association, A.J. Lauterbach, Sheriff of Jackson County, Texas, said he and many other sheriffs would not follow orders to confiscate guns. I think he's seriously misjudging the law enforcement response to what he wants to do. Many sheriffs would not comply. Once again... The shirt I'm wearing right now. This plan is ridiculous, Ladderback said to Beto's plan. Everyone's looking for solutions to violent crime, but this isn't one of them. I'm not going to harass my citizens for owning guns. The National Association of Police Organizations went a step further by calling him a hypocrite because he previously labeled law enforcement as part of the new Jim Crow, but now saying he wants to use them to confiscate American guns. Several individual sheriffs also slams Beto confiscation plan in a recent piece by Julio Rosa II. It seems law enforcement is not interested in trying to take America's gun in mass. That last one brings up an incredible point. He can go on TV and he can push a plan. And when he's pushed, they'll ask him, well... How are you going to get them back? I mean, mass shooters, in our last podcast, mass shooters don't follow the law. And not one of those liberals, because that's what they are, they're not journalists, ever said, well, wait a minute, you said the police are part of Jim Crow. You said police are rustling up people and murdering because they're black. That's what you said. So if there's... They can't be trusted. How can you trust them to go carry out your new law? You know a media who ran with Sandra Flukes a fucking slut for an entire election cycle would bury a 5% of the electorate of Democrat candidate for a statement like that. You know they would, but, you know, not our media. They're not going to do it. So, let's go to another music break. Um, it's going to be a rando rap. I'm just going to search a rap because I'm out of rap. I don't own a lot of rap. And then we're going to news, social, media nuggets. Give me a hug, you're in the getting rough. You can find me in the club, bottle full of bug, mama. 
got what you need. If you need to feel the buzz, I'm in the having sex. I ain't in the making love. So come give me a hug. Get in the getting rough. When I pull up out front, you see the Benz on deal. When I roll 20 deep, it's always drama in the club. Now that I roll with Dre, everybody show me love. When you select them and them, you get plenty of groupy love. Look, homie, ain't nothing changed. Roll down, tease up. I see exhibit in the cutting, man. Roll you watch how I move and mistake before I play up here. Been hit with a few, but now I walk with a limp. In the hood, in the day, they say 50, you hot. They like me, I want them to love me like they love pop. But I live in New York, the show to tell you I'm local. When the plan is to put the rap game in the choke, I'm full of focus, man. My money on my mind, got a meal out the deal, and I'm still in the grind. Now, Shorty says she's feeling my staff, she's feeling my flow. A girl from Woody, they buy, and they're ready to go. Full above, mama, I got what you need. If you need to feel the buzz, I'm in the having sex. I ain't in the making love, so come give me a hug. If you're in the getting rough, you can find me in the club. Bottle full above, mama, I got what you need. If you need to feel the buzz, I'm in the having sex. I ain't in the making love, so come give me a hug. If you're in the getting rough. My flow, my show, brought me to go. That brought me all my fancy things, my crib, my cars, my clothes, my shoes. You be happy, I made it. I'm the cat by the bar, toasting to the good life. Moved out the hood, now you tryna pull me back, guys. My junk get the bumpin' in the club, it's on. I'm with my eyes and chicks, so she smiles, she gone. Hit the roof on fire, man. Just let it burn up, just talking about money, homie. I ain't concerned. I'ma tell you what banks for me, cause go ahead, switch the style up. And if they hate, then let them hate them, watch the money pile up. And we can go upside the head with a bottle of bull. Come on, they know where we be. You can find me in the club. Full above, mama, I got what you need. If you need to feel the buzz, I'm in the having sex. I ain't in the making love, so come give me a hug. If you're in the getting rough, you can find me in the club. Bottle full above, mama, I got what you need. If you need to feel the buzz, I'm in the having sex. I ain't in the making love, so come give me a hug. If you're in the getting rough. <laughs> don't try to act like you don't know who we be, neither. We in the club on time, so pop, pop on. Shady aftermath. <laughs> Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind.
some troops may be kept to protect oil fields from ISIS. And as Holly Williams reports tonight from the Syrian border with Turkey, departing U.S. troops are getting a hostile send-off. Those are potatoes and other objects being thrown at an American convoy by furious locals in northeastern Syria today. They also hurled abuse. In this part of the world, the U.S. was popular, even beloved. Are these buildings been cleared? Kurdish-led forces were America's closest partners on the ground in the fight against ISIS in Syria. Now they say they've been betrayed. As American troops withdraw to neighboring Iraq, the Kurds have invited Syrian regime forces into their territory. 200,000 civilians have reportedly fled the clashes with Turkey. Mr. President, what makes you think you have the right to drive millions of Kurds out of their homes, tweeted a Kurdish spokesman. Isn't this ethnic cleansing? These images tonight show one of the lowest moments of America's reputation in the Middle East in years. Kurdish civilians, until now, close U.S. allies, throwing potatoes and yelling insults at American troops ordered out of Syria. At another location, Kurds holding signs for U.S. troops saying, tell your children, Kurdish children are dying. And we did nothing to protect them. President Trump unmoved. That's two sound bites. First one, of course, is the media trying to bash Trump with the Kurds and the pelting. And the second is Antifa beating up a vet. I just suppose, though, because that's not going to make the air. But just like with ISIS and everything. Do you notice that when Obama was president, we didn't use the words of our enemies or allies against him. But when Bush was a president, you could say at times some of our media were like ISIS or uh, Al-Qaeda's spokesman. And now we're airing American troops getting pelted just to own Trump. I'm not going to read the It's literally... It was all over the place, saying everything they did. I will read this one. Silent protest, withdrawing U.S. soldiers seen wearing previously banned Kurdish military patches. U.S. soldier drawn for Syria sporting a patch of controversial Kurdish military group known as YPJ has been making the rounds across social media. The YPJ is a women's unit of the People's Protection Unit. And have you ever watched the series they had? Um, God, I can't remember the name of it. It, it literally, it would literally um, show those units fighting ISIS. I can't remember the name of the damn show. It was on Discovery, I think. Um, really good. Me and the wife watched it. Unlike any exercise, a massive Marine Corps war game is happening at 29 Palms. 
they haven't done anything like this forever. 10,000 of Marines, sailors, and NATO troops have descended on 29 Palms of California in the Mojave Desert. Troops will be pitted against each other in force-on-force battles and prepare for different kind of fight, one against an enemy with sophisticated equipment and skills. Most of the Marines participating from North Carolina-based 2nd Marine Division, which hasn't conducted a multi-regimental live-fire maneuver exercise in decades. That is followed by Army is flexing muscles it hasn't used in 18 years. The Army intends to train it in division level on its next major exercise in Europe and India, Indo-Pacific, testing the movement of a large force from fort to port across the ocean and then making its way to multinational sites where partner forces will train with the Americans. Secretary of the Army Ryan D. McCarthy said the Defender 2020 exercise held in Europe from April to May will be similar in size scope to the exercise Reforager, and that hasn't happened any time Lately, won't read the whole article. It's huge, but that'll be amazing. Researchers find second warship from WW2 Battle of Midway. Um, a crew of deep sea explorers and historians looking for lost World War II warships have found a second Japanese aircraft carrier that went down the historic Battle of Midway. Vulcan Inc. directors. Director of Undersea Operation Rob Kraft and Naval History and Heritage Command Historian Mark or Frank Thompson reviewed high-frequency sonar images of Warship Sunday and say its dimension and location mean it has to be the aircraft carrier Akagi. The Akagi was found in the Panamukamaki Marine National Monument resting nearly 18 thousand feet of water more than 1300 miles from pearl harbor the researchers use an autonomous underwater vehicle or uav equipped with sonar to find the shift the first scan used low resolution sonar so the crew sent their uav back to get higher quality images and she's sitting upright on her keel we can see the bow we can see the stern clearly you can see some of the gun emplacement on there you can see that some of the flight deck is also torn up and missing so you can actually look right into where the flight deck would be that's pretty cool and then i decide to put on the back backside from now on uh the uncool thing Three U.S. Army soldiers were killed and three others were injured in a training accident involved in an armored vehicle. They fell off a bridge. Three U.S. Army soldiers were killed and three injured on a base in its Fort Stewart. The incident involved a 37-ton Bradley Infantry Fighting Vehicle. Occurred early in the morning at Fort Stewart Hunter Army Airfield in southeast Georgia. The base said the statement released on Twitter, Today is a heartbreaking day, General Tony Aguto said, and he was literally shaken up. It was Props on him for showing emotion. We're extremely saddened by the loss of three dog-faced soldiers and injured to three more. Our hearts and prayers go out to their family. The Army identified the soldiers who died as Sergeant First Class Brian Jenkins. He would have been up in the Commander Cupola. Corporal Thomas Walker and PFC Antonio Garcia. Um, from what I've read through the Army side, um, it was the driver, the gunner, and the commander. So, during the rollover, it fell over a bridge. And God be with their family. So, let's go into our college crazy. I hate segueing from this. It just always sucks. Um, I'm going to play an out-of-order soundbite, but for editing purposes, I just wanted to put it here. And it's just the craziest thing. It is British police. And remember, this is what libs want. 
you should report people picking on trans people. And we'll get to it in our gay shit area. Um, but I want to start with a soundbite for our college crazy. And um, I'm just going to let it hang. You're going to hear it. We're going to do other stories. And then we're going to research back. And the reason why I'm doing that, it's going to take you all that time to figure out what the fuck, what the fuck is that? Reporting makes a difference. By reporting hate crime when it happens, you can help stop it happening to someone else. Don't let other people's actions dictate who you are. It'll make sense in a bit. To our college crazy, Madeline O'Neill starts us off. It's official. Marlon Anderson is a job back at West High. Well, we covered this months ago. Earlier on Monday, Madison School Board President Gloria Reyes asked the district superintendent to rescind Anderson termination. Going forward, we'll review our practices and remain dedicated to protecting our students and staff from harm by implementing practices that are reflective of humanity involved. We will grapple with complexity and assess it through a lens of deep racial equity because they went full-fledged liberal wordsmithing because a black janitor told a black student you should stop using the n-word and because he did it the kid made a complaint and they fucking terminated his ass but um last time i checked i think a black man can do whatever the fuck he wants so intersectionality check mark we got some halloween stuff we got two in our lighter fare today but we start with this one Cal Poly investigates cowboys and illegal aliens party. <laughs> oh my god, why would you do this? The post featured students dressed in bandanas and cowboy hats from Cowboys and Alien theme party. It's a fucking movie. But they changed it to illegal aliens, and while the Instagram profile of the user was posted is private, the photos started going viral. University spokesman Matt Laser confirmed campus performed that Cal Poly's investigating it. We were disappointed to learn in the photo that it began circulating on social media. We know this photo has a negative impact member of our community, blah blah blah. We love Latinas, la la la. Cal Poly Dream Center, which is part of the Student Academic Services, issued a joint statement with Central Coast Coalition for Undocumented Students, or what we like to call, we pander to illegals and give them free college, calling upon the school to deem the incident racist. The group also claims that the student in the photo appear dressed in stereotypical gang attire contains a use of related gestures that included a racial slur. Dream Center took issue with the use of the phrase illegal alien. The group claims illegal alien is offensive and accurate and dehumanizing 
though factual. Okay, they didn't say that. I did. It's factual. Mean words machine. Researchers reveal racial bias in social media hate speech detectors. Researchers at the University of Washington conducted a study on the risk of racial bias and hate speech detectors, or the perspective APM algorithm, a tool that aims to rid the Internet of supposed hate speech. The study comes from the months after researchers at the University of Washington Tacoma began developing a tool to scan for online hate speech. Computer science and engineering research found in their study that the hate speech detector algorithm rated casual greetings given by white people as far less toxic than those made by black people. This is the second one on this where they show there's a 90 to 95 percent chance that it's going to take ebonics and say it's hate speech. Because they use N-I-G-G with the A. African-American English slang deemed acceptable between black people turned out to be primary culprit of this. According to the first data set it released, more than 46% of AAE tweets were flagged as offensive compared with 9% of general American English. General American English. Let's do the math on that. What does that mean? General American English. Really? 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 After analyzing several model demographics and data sets, researchers began working a solution so that everybody who uses nigga is okay. Well, good for you. Leftist students admit to tearing down I Love American posters. posters. Students at University of Minnesota Duluth admitted to tearing it down. Uh, fellow students at Turning Point USA members Caleb Anderson confronted the vandal and asked why he tore down the poster. Here, tweet this is one of the things. I always have these in an article. Tweet this and occasionally I accidentally read it. But I kept this one because it says, Do you love America? No, was his reply. I want to ask why you ripped down our TPUSA poster today. The student said that he tore down the poster because he does not support the organization and begins he, because he thinks TPUSA is disgusting. He added that he did not think tearing down the poster amounted to destruction of property or violation of free speech. I support free speech as it relates to government, but I don't think that prohibits other people from limiting your free speech, the vandal said. Anderson can later be heard asking the student whether he has torn down a TPUSA poster in the past. The student said... He previously tore down four. We're just having a poster that said, I love America, Anderson pointed out. Do you love America? No, he answered. Anderson also offered for the student to express his differing opinion. It's just a little bit disappointing that we've been putting in a lot of hard work to try to spread our message. If you disagree with us, we welcome you to our meetings. We want you to become come to our meetings if there's something that you disagree with. But at the same time, we would ask that you stop ripping down our shit. Nothing happened to him because he's a liberal. UConn students arrested for ridiculing speech and viral video. The incident occurred on October 11th in a parking lot of an off-campus apartment complex. In the video, there are three men walking through a lot. An individual took the video from the window of an apartment. The video prompted the UConn double NAACP chapter to pen a letter to the editor of the campus newspaper. The Daily Campus calling on officials to fully investigate this incident and apply the proper justice. Following those calls, the university confirmed the campus informed that two of the three men allegedly seen in the video were arrested under a Connecticut state statute that makes it crime to ridicule certain persons. Any person who by his advertisement ridicules or holds up 
to contempt any person or class of person on account of creed, religion, color, denomination, nationality, or race of such persons or class of persons shall be guilty of a class D misdemeanor. Do you see that ever happening for Trump supporters? I bet that law is pretty dusty unless you're talking to a person of color. The two students both were charged under CGS 5337, ridiculing account of creed, color, religion, denomination, blah, blah, blah. Third person accompanied them as they walked outside the apartment, but the police investigated and determined he did nothing wrong. The two men arrested were identified in police report obtained as Ryan Majaj, Mukaj and Jared Karal, both 21. Muka and Jaral are scheduled to appear in court. Uh, let me see what they said. The arrest come less than one month after a New York City banned the use of illegal alien. It doesn't seem like you could find out what the fuck they said and the video didn't work. So I'm sure it was illegal, alien, go back to your country, something like that. We've done a few things in here about whiteness on PowerPoint slides, but we got some new ones. And Jane Joyner. Characteristics of white supremacy. We did this one. Power hoarding, individualism, progress is bigger, quantity over quality, only one right way, either or, sense of urgency. White supremacy is characterized by perfectionism, a belief in meritocracy, and the protest work ethic, or Protestant work ethic, excuse me, the exec said, adding that whites who object when accused of deep-rooted bias are called fragile and defensive. Yeah. That's what they said. So Amir Sozala sends us another one. Ethnic studies choreographed refusal. Featured image. Educators at Seattle Public Schools Ethnic Studies Summer Institute 2019 engaged in Augusto Bowles Theater of the oppressed strategies to learn about and reject cultural appropriation. And oh my God, they're all white people. We can refuse... We can refusing the white gaze look like. What can? I'm sorry. My mic was in the way. What can refusing the white gaze look like? First of all, I don't know what the fucking white gaze is, but let's find out. Refusing the white gaze has many faces, some big, some small. It can mean collaborating with students and families to redefine the meaning of academic success. What does your community want out of school? Refusal can look like translanguaging practices that encourages the maintenance and growth of their home language. Refuses to use resources that glorify the dominant narrative by bringing community elders into your classroom to teach and share. Refuse through grading practice and accept late work. So teachers should accept work late in order to refuse the white gaze. Programs such as Seattle Public School Ethnic Studies Summer Institute and XITO are providing teachers with content and pedagogical shifts necessary for the critical examination of educational system dominated by white gaze. These programs teach the skills to disrupt and refuse. To be in solidarity requires us to go further than learning. We must act as individual teacher schools and districts build their ethics studies program. We purposely build them in ways that refuse the white gaze. We must work with our biopic student families and communities to define what this refusal looks like. How do our communities wish to refuse the white gaze? Yeah. Okay. So basically, if you're a person of color or LGBT, 
as we'll find out as we go into gay shit, you don't have to do anything. Just, just show up. We'll pin it in. Time for some gay shit! Hey, hey, hey. Bow, bow, bow. Little pump in the cut. Brr. Hey, gay shit. Before we start, we gotta say with glee, transgender activist loses case against female aestheticians who refuse to give her waxed junk. Remember that? Yeah. On Tuesday, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom, which is representing five of the women being targeted by Yanev, announced that the activist case against her clients has been tossed. Yanev will be forced to pay 2000 each to at least three of the women. The Justice Center Constitutional Freedom is pleased to announce the B.C. Human Rights Tribunal has ruled in favor of homosexuals' rights to refuse to handle male genitalia against their will. According to the group, the tribunal decision said the human rights legislation does not require a service provider to wax a type of genital they are not trained for and have not consented to wax. Moreover, it's noted that Yanov engaged in improper conduct and filed complaints for improper purposes. The activist testimony, according to the ruling, was disingenuous and self-serving. And Yanova was evasive and argumentative and contradicted herself. So, the dude who's playing games everywhere, suck it! Yeah. But let's get back on track. Because now we've said that black people of color should be able to have late or incomplete shit because that goes with their culture, which is really fucking racist. I mean, you have to be very white guilty to come up with that and still be okay in the intersectionally scorecard, because that sounds racist as fuck to me, to say all black people do shit late and are incomplete. I mean, remember, we went through the whole, you can't say to Barack Obama, black people time. That was wrong, remember? Well, inclusive grading. Colleges teaching professors not to grade on quality. In higher education, ongoing quest to appeal to the woke crowd, colleges and universities across the country are now training professors about inclusive grading. The College Fix reported that Boise State University is the latest in a long line of schools to jump to the inclusive grading bandwagon. This week, the university hosting event called Inclusive Teaching Means Inclusive Grading 2. The event is part of a larger certification program called Boise State Uniting for Inclusive Leadership and Diversity, or BUILD. Oh, they're so cute. Information regarding the event could not be accessed, but the event was the same name offered insight and in what it's now being taught. BSU event has been exact same name as a previous University of Tennessee Knoxville facility workshop. It was aimed to engage instructors in conversation and activities designed to foreground diversity and inclusion in consideration of assessment and grading. The University of Mission held a faculty workshop with a near identical name as well. The Center for Research on Learning and Teaching stated on its website that attending teachers would be asked to review their own practices on grading throughout the event. The workshop is reminiscent of one held in February at the American University designed to teach faculty how to assess writing without judging its quality. Titled Grading Ain't Just Grading. Oh, really? And promising to help teachers writing, rethink writing assessment ecologies towards anti-racist ends, the workshop warned that the practices of grading writing maintained white language pr- supremacy. BSU The Fix reported 
has been on a woke kick lately, including hosting a book circle that makes participants dig deep into ourselves to explore the ways in which we all, as individuals, sometimes unlonely, sport racism and white supremacy. They also did a show, one on implicit bias in academic worst workplace. Another one, why are you reacting that way? Unpacking identity development and impact on interactions of classroom and workplace goes into how you're supposed to grade for gay people. Another program, how accessible is your syllabus? That is, to what extent is it able to be used by all intended users, each with different capabilities? Jesus freaking Christ. Another one, the University of North Carolina was attended by just nine students. No subject is safe for the woke brigade. In Seattle, curriculum is proposed, and we covered it a couple podcasts ago, that math is racist. Two plus two equals you're a fucking racist. Fucking wahoos. Transgender activists force menstrual product brand always to remove woman symbol from packaging. Let's just break that down. Tampons aren't for women, you fucking troglodytes. Men have periods too. Always a brand of menstrual products has been forced to scrub the woman's symbol off their packaging in response to a coordinated effort by transgender activists to punish the brand for discrimination against dudes who believe they bleed. Like Yanif, who said, my period's so bad today I can't go in the pool. As I stated then and I'll state now, if your dick is bleeding, go see a doctor. It ain't a period, bro. You're fucked up. The Daily Mail reports that the Procter & Gamble-owned brand caved to a boycott campaign that began when transgender activists noticed it always placed the Venus symbol, a circle with a plus sign or cross beneath it, universally recognized as a sign for female gender on the wrapper of some of its sanitary products. The trans activists, using the pseudonym Melly Bloom, or Boom, sorry, had tweeted in July asking always, why is it imperative to have a sign on their sanitary products, according to the Daily Mail? The tweet said there are non-binary and trans folks who still need to use your products too. Ostensibly, Melly Boom is referring to female to male transgender individuals who may identify as a different gender, but who do not undergo surgery or medical transition, which would make them theoretically male, but with a female reproductive system and monthly periods. Yeah, you're still a chick. That means you're still a chick. If you have ovaries and you fucking shed the lining of your uterus every month, which is a period, you're a chick. Some social media users claim that transgender females can have period-like symptoms once a month. (laughs) It's sympathy periods. Oh, I gotcha. A high-profile transgender activist named Ben Sanders also pressured always in June after release of a documentary about Sanders' transition from female to male. The Always team replied directly to Sanders after making their decision, telling Sanders, We are glad to inform you that as of December, we won't put a female symbol on a package because that fucking challenges your fucking dysphoria. They didn't say that, I did. The brand's public relations team added that the change will come in late 2019 and gender-neutral period products would hit the stores in 2020. The announcement comes to the heels of National Period Day, and we already talked about that. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, hurt me. Cory Booker was in on it, too. 
Erica Hart, one of the people that went crazy on it. Any gender can get their period. Any gender can get their period. 800 times. NARAL, nearly one in two low-income people who menstruate have had to choose between being able to afford a meal or menstrual hygiene products. Having a period with dignity shouldn't be a luxury. Deepa Shervam, not all women menstruate and not all who menstruate are women. Period equality is simply about equality. Bustle, we all need to talk about periods, especially if a society are going to be serious about fighting for progress towards gender equality, global development, and breaking the cycle of poverty. Because a pack of tampons will just put you out, man. Will I eat dinner or use a tampon? I'm pretty sure women use toilet paper. Also. But not everyone's happy with the intersexual menstrual activism. Feminists also took to social media in the wake of Always announcement to suggest that removing female symbol from the package is a first step to erasing the female gender. Removing the female symbol from sanitary towel packaging is basically denying the existence of women, one prominent feminist told the Daily Mail. We're now moving towards a total elimination of women's biology. The women's symbol has been used by feminists for decades. This is pure cowardice and virtue signaling from these big corporate brands who are capitulating to the trans agenda. Holy shit, that sounds like me. Let's just break it down for a second. Why isn't our media covering this? Because they know if they do, they lose the whole angle trans are people too. No, they're fucking wackos. They don't know what gender they are. They believe they're having periods when they're men, when they clearly can't. And women transitioning transitioning to men are still having periods because they're still fucking women. So they put this shit out. Most Americans, the majority by a plurality, probably 99.03 would say, yeah, that makes sense. That's fucking stupid. But it's the Daily Mail putting it up. Secondly, how fucked in the melon do you have to be to A, wake up one day and go, I hate my penis. I want it to be a JJ because I've always felt really feminine and then have a little symbol on a package make you melt the fuck down so that you and your cabal attack it mercilessly to remove that symbol so you then could go in your fucking Favre jersey a pair of jeans and a pair of Doc Martens with a baseball cap on backwards, pretending to be a dude with your false penis that they're selling on Amazon. The, what was that fucking called? The, I can't remember. For little kids, they sold those dick bulges and buy your tampons and tell the lady, I'm just getting it for the little lady. Does that not sound mental? If this was a conservative thing, this would be all over the place. Twitter would be doing Twitter moments. Dude, or female dressed as a dude, buys tampons with a fake bulge. Look at that fucking fool. That's how it would go. But instead, it's like, oh, look at that. That's the greatest. So having framed how crazy this shit is, we go back to the tomato soundbite. Somebody said this, don't eat baby rangers. I don't know what that is. My favorite picture of England, it's a knife bin. Because remember, they went into all in on the Syrian and fucking crazy shit. And they got people getting stabbed all over the countries. 
And they have a cookie monster on a knife bin working partnership. Only cowards carry weapon awareness. And they have their number and you shove your knife in cookie monster's mouth so you won't go stab Whitey. Hmm. Then they put that out. Devon and Cornwell police are urging people to report hate crimes like um snickering at someone and second they put together a cartoon to show how hurtful hate crimes could be. Look at the poor tomato. Is it supposed to use the restroom for fruits or one for vegetables? Supporting Hate Crime Awareness Week, Zero Tolerance to Hate, National HCAW. And that was the soundbite. Because over there you go to jail. It's like red flag laws in America. I don't like you, so I say you're cuckoo so I can get your fucking guns. That's what they want to do. Over there it's, you didn't look at me right. You made me feel dysphoric, as we learned in the last podcast, which is what they have, by the way. I get to call the police and you go to jail because I'm a tranny. Robbie Starbucks. I don't understand how this isn't a parody account. This is an actual police department releasing this stuff. That sad tomato will surely change attitudes. This has become almost comical if it wasn't using law enforcement resources. And that's the worst thing. Just the worst thing. I mean, come on. Trans athlete wins women's world cycling competition again, slams transphobic critics. Rachel McKinnon used to be called Rory, still got a dick. A biological male identifies a female, won the women's master track cycling world champion sprint title for second year in a row because she's a dude or he's a dude pretending to be a girl because he can't beat men. 37-year-old competing in female 35-39 to 39 sprint category has set a new world record. Oh, are you sure? Man, a dude going into a woman's event setting the world record. Look at that. Canadian beat American Don Orwick for a goal with Denmark Kristen Herbeck claiming the bronze. McKinnon also took silver in the 500 time trial. Early in the week, he got beat by a girl, dude. The athlete celebrates the win on social media and made a point of citing critics. This jersey, these medals, and this world world record mean a whole lot more to me than my first, she wrote, he wrote. They were, it wrote. There were many more barriers this year and much bigger spotlight. Truly incessant hate and people doing everything in their power to have me ban, make me fail, and make me quit. But I didn't, and I won't. It persevered. It will be next, I will be back next year. I'll be stronger and faster than ever. You can count on me, cause I'm still not chopping my dick off so I can keep some testosterone flowing. In a tweet Monday, McKinnon also appeared to deny having any competitive advantage anymore from being biological male because my body doesn't produce testosterone anymore. I'm just going to come out and say it. My body doesn't produce testosterone anymore and it hasn't for nearly a decade. Draw your own conclusions. Many people claim to support trans women, but often they only support us until our lives impact them in a meaningful way. In my case, people literally say they support trans women, but not in sport. There can be no but. We are either full and... Yeah, there can be no but, but there can be a cock and balls in your leotard. And you can say you're a woman. We're either full and equal women or not. You're not. Chop the dick... Get rid of the nutty buddies. Make that canoe out of flesh and call it a vagina. And you're a chick, I guess. 
And babes, facts, don't care about your feelings. Medical professionals who AMA, medical health pr- practitioners, APAs, and Sport IOC all say that trans women are real women are really female. <laughs> Do they really? They don't believe it. They just got pressured. They don't want the bullshit. Cry about all you want. Your feelings won't change the facts that we are. There's no need for me to change your misguided opinion on matter. You don't matter. Sorry, you don't. Oh, I don't matter? Neither do you, dude. Who the fuck follows women's cycling? Seriously. Is that a big sport? I don't even see it on ESPN The Ocho. Everyone who does matter already says we're real women. Really, really female. My birth certificate, passport, U.S. green card, etc. All say I'm really female. This is why I refuse to debate, live, or otherwise, whether trans women are really women. The debate is over. You lost. Your feelings don't trump our rights and basic human dignity. Get a better hobby. Obsessing and harassing trans women is not a good hobby. The thing is, the people who oppose trans women's full and equal rights think that the facts are on their side. This is why they always come back to common sense. That's not an argument, loves. It's the last refuge of the ignorant. It means you've already lost. Bad. What are you, Trump? The argument pretty much lines up McKinnon's contention that there's absolutely no scientific evidence at all that supports the position that male-to-female transgender athletes enjoy a general advantage over biological female athletes. According to McKinnon, basic biology difference between men and women are just social constructs. McKinnon offended by our critics, but she must should be far more offended by female athletes getting screwed by virtue-signaling, attention-seeking interlopers like it. McKinnon would like us to believe that criticism of trans women's athletes competing against biological women athletes stems from bigotry, and in some cases that might be true. But the larger picture here is that McKinnon et al. are in reality hurting women. Yeah. Ariel Davidson, rest in peace women's sports. We had a good run, gals. It's fucking bullshit. It's just bullshit. I don't give a fuck if you want to be a goat. I've said it on the show. Be the best goat you can be. But it shouldn't be recognized. And now that the Olympics are doing it, it's really kind of scary when you think about it. It shouldn't be happening. But it's... It's the crazies. She-Ra welcomes his first non-binary character. Get a first look at Jacob Tobiah as Double Trouble. <laughs> In this animated series, it has multiple gay and lesbian characters. Characters of 85 different skin tones. And now we're going to have a non-binary. Check in the block, baby! Next, they're going to have a pedophile up in there because they're people too. But like folks group found being gay a barrier for him in South Carolina voters. Okay, so right off the bat you're gonna go, hmm, those goddamn fucking rednecks. White people, those fucking Christians. No, um African American. A 21-page report conducted by the Benison Strategy Group with Black Democratic South Carolina voters in mid-July and obtained exclusively by McClatchy found that being gay was a barrier for these voters, particularly for the men who seemed deeply uncomfortable even discussing it. Their preference is for his sexuality to not be front and center. While the report stated that butt sexuality was not a disqualifier for these voters, some of the focus group participants questioned why butt even brought it up. 
that's not my thing, but I wouldn't want to know that as a candidate, said one female participant under 40, too much information. I'll go ahead and say it, said a male participant. I don't like the fact that he threw out there he lives with his husband. Yeah. After three 90-minute sessions with a total of 24 uncommitted black voters in Columbia, South Carolina, ages 25 to 65, just one, a woman over 40, said they were considering voting for Buttleg. Conversely, all but one said they were considering voting for Joe Biden, described in the report as the clear and dominant frontrunner in the state that holds a fourth Democratic nominating contest. It's hard to underestimate the power of Obama association with these voters. And that has a lot to do with it. But let's be honest. They're not in to the down low. I'm just saying. Jury rules against Texas dad fighting seven-year-old son's gender transition. It is fucking horrible. 11 of 12 jurors. There is a video my wife showed me of this case. And we've covered it on the show, but I never went into depth with it. Folks. He says, does mommy say you're a girl? Yes. Does mommy dress you as a girl? Yes. It's mommy. It's not the kid. Mommy wants to be a good ally and now have a fucking tranny kid. That's what it's all about. Myrie Cyrus tells women, you don't have to be gay after you find a good man. Really? Does that make you not gay now? Is gay just a cool thing to be? Once again, it's a fad. It's a fad. Do some Halloween shit. Guys, this went viral last year and the ordinance has since been updated. Julie Warren. So, let me get this straight. Group of municipal lawmakers affirmatively banned together in agreement over the decision to jail 13-year-olds up to six months for overage trick-or-treating. Halloween rules, trick-or-treating over 12-year-old, misdemeanor, fine, $25 to $100, and or up to jail for six months. Trick-or-treating after 8 p.m., misdemeanor, fine, 10 to 100 and or jailed up to 30 days. No, it wasn't a story in the onion. It was real. The city of Chesapeake drew national scrutiny and social media uproar for a decade-old ordinance that could fine or jail teens for trick-or-treating. It got so much attention, in fact, the city quickly conducted a review of the ordinance and made a change. The new code raised to age to trick-or-treating to 14. If you're giving out treats, turn on your porch exterior light, remove any objects in your yard that might be a hazard, drive slowly during the evening and watch for children. Make sure your child can navigate safely. Long costumes and masks can make navigating hard. The hours for trick-or-treating are 6 to 8 only. And you can only be 14. If you're over 14, you're in trouble. Chesapeake Police staff will focus on making sure the evening is safe for everyone, not actively seeking out violations of the time or age limit. For example, a 15-year-old safely trick-or-treating with a younger sibling is not going to have any issues. That same child taking pumpkins from porches and smashing them, we're going to have a problem. The city trick-or-treating ordinance was updated in 2019, with city council voted to remove the never-before-used penalty of jail time and raise the age limit to 14. Jesus Christ on a popsicle stick. Hi, big brother. How you doing? I, I, wow. Then we got another 
let's just fucking, we're never gonna run out of ways to make shit racist. Vice. Americanizing someone's name to make your life easier is at best lazy and worst racist. But it's actually worse than the tweet above. What she complained about are nicknames. Stop assigning nicknames to your friends with ethnic names. When Rosen pronounced Roisin, moved to the United States from the United Kingdom for a job, she currently works for ID in London, she found herself in possession of a new nickname as soon as she started spending time with people in social settings. When I first moved to New York, I was kind of embarrassed of being different in any way, so I just ran with it and was like, haha, yeah, whatever, it's fine, I'm cool, she said over Twitter, DM. I didn't want to feel like a square just come across as a dickhead. Now that I'm older, I'm like, guys, that's not how you say my name. Please, for the love of God, learn. Some of the American acquaintances still call her Roche, which she said was grown to like. She grew to like, even if she doesn't love the logic behind it. I know it's because they can't say Rosalind, and I do not consent to that. And if you thought the writer name sound familiar, it's because she's the one behind the Aziz Asari hit piece a few years ago. The byline sounded familiar. It's Babe.net reporter. This is the best frivolous complaining of friends shortly with workplace targeting and worst a single ploy for attention and traffic via deliberately playing to people's fears of stoking resentment by conflating these things in order to sow profitable division in society. <laughs> Somebody said, Brian Seltzer. More than 2.5 million people have read the Babe article about Aziz Rossini so far. Record for the site. Details here. The demise of Babe.net, the publishers of the notorious Aziz story, is a descent in the new media hell where young journalists are underpaid, unsupported, ruthlessly exploited, and finally unemployed. Expertly told by Addison P. Davis. From now on, I need all you hungerphobes to put do-da-do-dad over the second A in my name. Hi, so basically what they're saying is you can't give people nicknames because that's racist too. Okay. Got it. New York Post. San Francisco puts 22 states on a blacklist for restricted abortion laws. It's now been upped. They're saying you can't go to Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, India, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Nebraska, Nevada, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, Texas, West Virginia, Wisconsin. Nine states, Alabama, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Mississippi, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Texas, were already on the city's list because of the bathroom laws. People replying, oh, they're sending a message, all right. And that message is that they want to punish states that aren't sufficiently bloodthirsty. If you don't kill babies, won't come to your state. Sounds like those 22 states have the right idea, people said. And when are we going to start saying you can't go to California? If I was a governor or I was a mayor, yeah, you wouldn't go to California. No, they don't abide by any laws, so I'm not sending you out there. You can't. What's well, important conference? Fuck it. Find it somewhere else online. To our crazy shit, fulfilling my wife's fear of sharks. Shark tears French woman's hand off and attack a Polynesian paradise island. Sweet fucking God. It just came outside the boat and ripped her arm off. This one, I don't want to be that guy. I'm not a member of PETA. Now granted, I would never raise cattle and pigs and eat them. I, I'm just not that guy because, you know, I'm an animal lover, so it would be kind of weird. You know, I, I could, I guess, if I just treated them like shit and never named them, you know. 
here's your slop pig, would be his name. But in my house, my wife would have that motherfucker on the couch and be combing its few hairs. They do have hair, don't they? I don't know. Not a pig guy. But the point of the matter is, I, I'm just an animal guy. And one of the things that really pissed me off is when I see people rolling down the road with animals in the, the dogs in trucks. And you see it all the time on highways. They're dead. They've been killed. And my thing is, how did you not know the dog was there? When you got home, the dog wasn't there. Why didn't you retrace your tracks and find your dog? And if he was dead, bury the dog. I mean, that's what pet owners do. But it always angers me. I don't even think they should be tied up with a leash. If you're going to carry your dog, put them in the fucking crew crab and, and make sure they don't fucking fall the fuck out. Well, this one in Thailand just breaks your heart. Loyal dog waits by roadside for four years at exact spot where he lost his owner. The duck jumped off from his owner's truck on a highway in Thailand and remained on the same spot until they were reunited. A stray dog waited four years for its owner to return at the exact spot where the pet jumped from a moving truck. Passing biker Anrik Unchara saw the dog twice on a highway in Roet, northeastern Thailand last month. He stopped to check on the dog and was told by locals that it has been sitting at the same place for the last four years. Resident Sawaki Panufa 45, so that she found the dog at the spot in early 2016, she said. I found this dog since 2016. Back then he was so skinny and he had skin lesions. I rode a motorcycle past his road and saw him every day for a week. So I asked the people about his owner and the locals told me that he was a stray dog. They said he's been waiting there since the previous year. I took him to the vet and adopted him myself and named him Leo. But after a couple days he was missing from the house and I found him at the spot again. So I let him stay there, and I've been coming to feed him every day. Achit decided to share the story of Leo and video online, which prompted the dog owner to come forward. Video show Leo, Leo sitting by the roadside and looking out as the cars drove past. Owner Noi Sitarn, 64, said her dog Bong Bong had gone missing after jumping down from her pickup truck in 2015. She added, I was traveling this road, but then I noticed that Bong Bong was missing the truck. Me and my husband drove around to find him, but we did not find him, and we did not know where he could be. As she went back to the spot on September 9th, Leo bounded over excitedly to Noi and let her rub his head. However, he refused to go home when she carried him to the pickup truck. It appeared that Bong Bong needed some time to adjust to his feelings, so Noi promised to go back again the next day. However, that night, Sawaki called Noi and cried as she confessed that she wanted to keep the dog herself because she'd become attached to him. Noi said that she was more than happy to let the dog stay with Sawaki, she said. I have no intention to refuse her request. Due to her good care of the dog, I believe she and the dog will be happy together, but I would like her to keep the dog in her house. Sawaki promised to take the dog home and will take good care of him, while Noi is happy to take the dog back if Sawaki no longer wants him. Just amazing. Four years. Just sitting there. Waiting for its owner. And I call bullshit you went back. I just call bullshit. I would not rest until I got my animal back. I just wouldn't. And that's what's so fucked up, you know. I think it's a good a good indicator of people. How you treat animals kind of sums you up because the reality is you see how people treat their animals and it's how they treat people 
also. So that makes me want to cry, but I'm not doing that on a podcast because that would be just kind of weird. But that's some sad ass shit. Fuck you, Sawachi, whatever the fuck your name is. Anyway. Going into a lighter fare, I wanted to play this last week, but I couldn't get a clean cut from it, but I got it now. Here is Vanderbilt coach Derek Mason, just all sorts of fucking pumped up after they upset somebody, and man, I would go into fucking hell for a coach like this. Enjoy. You've answered questions about your job security all week long, and this team comes out and upsets a ranked Missouri team. What are you feeling right now? Well, first of all, you know, honor to God. You know, it's been a, it's been a rough patch, man, but I told my team this, and I want everybody to understand this, okay? A lot of people want this job, so they think that I'm the man that's built for this job. Every day, man, we grind. We grind. Don't question us. Don't question who we are, what we do, or how we play. We're Vanderbilt men. Commodore's Aikman. Damn! That's some good shit right there. To some Halloween crazy. Witches plan to cast binding spell on Trump this week. Thousands of witches plan to gather on Thursday to cast a spell on President Trump in a move dubbed Magic Resistance. (laughs) The spell to bind Donald Trump and all those who abet him. And the witches plan to spell, to do the spell on every waning crescent moon, hoping their magic will drive Trump out of office with rituals and spells for protection of immigrants and refugees, reproductive rights, anti-fascism, and protection of the earth, among other critical issues. You can be part of the powerful magical resistance movement, Michael M. Hughes wrote in 2017. There is actually what they they have here. Let me see. Um, to be performed on midnight every waning crescent moon until he's removed from office. The first rit- ritual takes place Friday evening, February 24th, the stroke of midnight. This binding spell is open source and may be modified to your, pre- your preferred spiritual practice or magical system. The critical elements are this simultaneously at working midnight Eastern Mar-a-Lago, Trump Tower, New York City time, and the mass energy of the participant. See the upcoming date. Some lodges, covens are doing a variation of this group working while a number of solitary practitioners are planning to connect and live stream via Facebook components. Unflattering photo of Trump small. Uh, tower tarot card, tiny stub of orange candle, pin or small nail, white candle representing the element of fire, small bowl of water representing the element of water, small bowl of salt representing the element of earth, feather representing the element of air, matches or light or ashtray or dish sand, optional piece of pyrite, fool's gold, sulfur, black thread to additional binding variant, baby carrot as a substitute for an orange candle. The post of extra news feed also direct witches on to what to say. Hear me, O spirits of water, earth, fire, and air, heavenly host, demons of the infernal. Well, you know, hold on a second. Let, let's get some background music. Oh, yeah, some witch music. Let's do this. Hear me, O spirits of water, earth, fire, and air, heavenly host, demons of the internal realm, and spirits of the ancestor. I call upon you to bind Donald J. Trump 
so that his malignant works may fail utterly, that he may do no harm to any human soul, nor any tree, animal, rock, stream, or sea. Bind him so that he shall not break our polity, usurp our liberty, or fill our minds with hate, confusion, fear, despair, and bind too all of those who enable his wickedness and those whose mouths speak his poisonous lies. Woo! Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you fucking moon bats. Get, uh, maybe I'm the moon bat because I just did it. And then, you know, because liberals ruin everything. Christy Swanson. Wow, you gave that pumpkin a full-blown radical hysterectomy. The candle was a nice touch. It's a girl Phyllis Stoling. She made a uterus pumpkin. And the hearts and minds of people were evil continually. Does the left ever stop to take a break from trying to make their disgusting point others? That's so bizarre. These people are weird. That's so fucking weird. These people are bizarre. Karen Falcon. I'm happy she's not advocating for women's fashion. Oops, I just assumed she's a she because she's advocating for women's health. My apologies. That pumpkin was alive. My body, my choice. Did ask? Did anyone ask the pumpkin if he wanted to be mutilated? Other people. Is the pumpkin a he or she or is it non-binary? <laughs> then we have this. Oh my God. Is this an example of the war on Halloween? Since we are living in completely insane times, it only stands to reason that there would be an outrage and an outcry over racist pumpkins. If you want to know what is truly scary, these are people who truly think this way. ENM News. Home Goods Store Bed Bath & Beyond has pulled black jack-o'-lanterns from shelves after they were judged to be racially insensitive. Thanks to some inept Intrepid journalists, a local news station got the bottom of a scathing story. A local business put out racist pumpkins after News 12 investigated that stemmed from complaints in Nyack about the product. Read that line again. A TV station revived word of racist pumpkins, and they set out to investigate this blistering story. A local law office in town made a Halloween display in front of its business and seasonal and holiday touches. They set out pumpkins with the names of all of its employees on them. When some residents expressed dismay at the onyx-colored jack-o'-lantern, News 12 leapt into action. Jack-o'-lanterns come in all colors. What is wrong with everybody? To give an idea just how serious this matter was, the news did the only sensible thing when you want to tamp down the outrage and keep everyone call. They called NAACP. Wilbur Outridge, the regional director of NAACP, said in a statement that the pumpkin design shows an extreme lack of sensitivity. But now I believe everyone would know that anything in blackface is offensive. It's a pumpkin. It's not blackface people have faces pumpkins don't have shit and to the enm news thing i mean this is how it's written these people are serious 
<clears throat> um, the move came after a law firm in Nyack, New York, removed his display of decorative pumpkins following complaints from some in the town. According to News 12, the jack-o'-lantern in question are completely black with a white grinning mouth and white eyes and nose. We understand that someone complained about them. Sorry, I gotta get the damn story to come up because it was just part of the story, I guess. Um, <clears throat> New York, okay, the jack-o'-lantern is a question of... We understand that someone... God, stop opening shit. That someone complained about them, and so once we got the word of, we immediately took them down, said Mary Mosa, a partner at Farrick Nugent McCarthy Law Offices. Marzola said the jack-o'-lanterns featured the name of each partner. We represent people of color and faith, and we would never do anything to exclude anyone from the community. Um, that's his line there. But you can see the picture is just Bed Bath & Beyond, man. It's Bed Bath Beyond Pumpkin. But now pumpkins, not only taxed in liberal towns, are fucking racist. Those racist pumpkins running around in blackface. What the fuck? Next you're going to dress it up as an illegal alien. Or you're going to call it a fucking squash and culturally appropriate transgenderism. You fucking animal fucking wahoos to our this is america here's msnbc spinning the cia stuff and i just played it here because when i heard this sound but i'm like jesus fucking christ <clears throat> investigating the roots of 2016 something you said he didn't do now he's doing it but now you're saying why would he do it and joe scarborough as he's finger banging mika under the counter because they're married is trying to spin an analogy that it's just it's a horrible soundbite here you go this is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. I got the strap. Live look at the White House, a lot going on in there. Ken Delaney and you have new reporting for NBC News and a piece entitled A.G. Barr Expands Mysterious Review into Origin of Russia Investigation. Tell us about it. Yeah, that's right, Mika. We started looking closely at this because Mick Mulvaney in his now famous news conference where he was discussing the quid pro quo, he said that one of the reasons um, they were withholding the aid was they were trying to get Ukraine to cooperate with what he called an ongoing investigation into wrongdoing. And he couldn't remember the name of the guy doing it. Somebody had to prompt him. It's John Durham, the U.S. attorney from Connecticut. Barr, remember, has appointed Durham to conduct a review of the origins of the Russia investigation. And no one is sure what it, the basis for this review is. But what we've been able to learn is that the review has expanded. Uh, Durham has added staff. He's expanded the timeline. Uh, he's now looking at conduct uh, that happened even after Donald Trump was inaugurated. Um, we, we're reporting that he has asked to interview many of the CIA analysts who are behind the intelligence community assessment that Russia attacked the election in 2016 in favor of Donald Trump. But, but, but Ken, He's, Ken, could I could, could I ask you something? This seems this seems this seems akin to conducting bar conducting investigation about Neil Armstrong's walk on the moon. That it wasn't on the moon. Instead, it was on a back lot in Burbank. I mean. This yeah. is for, for, for them to even go down this path. They are ignoring the conclusions of Donald Trump's 
FBI director, Donald Trump's CIA director, Donald Trump's director of national intelligence, uh, U.S. military. Uh, I mean, you, you could go, go Tom Bossert, the president's yeah. first national security advisor. Every single intel leader in America, Republicans and Democrats alike, have all come to the conclusion that it was, in fact, Russia, not Ukraine, who tried to interfere with American democracy. Yeah, and to be clear, Joe, it's not it's not 100% certain that Durham is investigating this wacky conspiracy theory that the server is in Ukraine. I would be shocked if he was. That would be a scandal, actually. Um, he does want to talk to people in Ukraine, though, and there's a question about why. Um, look, look, in general, people are very puzzled by what this is, what's going on here, because even though there's a lot of questions about Barr, most people in the legal community I talk to have a lot of regard for Durham. Durham was hired by Eric Holder uh, in the Obama administration to investigate the question of CIA torture. And he, he goes back to the Whitey Bulger case in Boston. He, invest, he investigated the FBI. He's got a sterling reputation. Nonetheless, he's been going around the world interviewing people um, in countries, and, and the only template I can find for what they're doing is it's the George Papadopoulos conspiracy tour. I spoke to a Western uh, intelligence official who said, no, there's no secrets here. They're, they're talking about exactly the things you've been reading in right-wing media, which is, you know, George Papadopoulos saying he was set up by these various figures in Italy and the UK, and it was all a deep state plot. They're also interviewing, according to the New York Times, they have their own reporting, uh, Durham is interviewing uh, FBI officials who were involved in the early stages of this investigation, hunting for signs of bias. But he hasn't interviewed any of the key officials, uh, although he says he wants to talk to former CIA Director John Brennan. He hasn't interviewed Comey, Andrew McCabe, Rod Rosenstein. So it's really not clear where he's going with this, but a lot of people are very rattled. Those CIA analysts I mentioned had to hire their own lawyers uh, because no one's even sure whether this is a criminal investigation or not. And if it is a criminal investigation, what is the allegation of wrongdoing? No one I talk to can answer that, guys. I mean, I'll tell you, Ken, I, yes, people are vouching uh, for Durham. But you know what? People were vouching for Barr as well, a guy who right. I personally believe will be remembered as perhaps the <clears throat> most corrupt attorney general in the, in the history of the United States of America. So all these assurances mean nothing, especially when he's going around and not only going around the world, Apparently chasing conspiracy theories, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, off of the Internet or whether it's from, from Papadopoulos's uh, mind. <clears throat> but he's also trying to get documents uh, from the CIA. He's, he's trying to get intel documents uh, that the CIA should not give up for a thousand different reasons. You have you have the president of the United States pressuring the attorney general who's now pressuring an investigator to go around and to do things that have not that have never been done before and that is go in and uh, ask the CIA to reveal things they shouldn't reveal that's right you know people forget that Donald Trump empowered William Barr with this extraordinary authority to demand any classified document he wants in connection with this and you're absolutely right there's a lot of uh, unease at the CIA and disquiet about the notion of federal prosecutors going over and rooting in their files not because they think they did anything wrong but because th these are sources and methods some of the most highly classified documents and secrets in our government and they are kept to a small set of people for a reason it's a need-to-know situation and they're questioning what is the need uh... for john durham and his prosecutors to go over and mm -hmm. talk to them about that in the absence of any allegation 
of wrongdoing. And what is their expertise? And uh, in fact, some person said to me, you know, if John Durham is going around the world talking to foreign intelligence services, how does he know he's not being lied to? Does he have a counterintelligence official with him? There's no evidence that he does. The CIA does that for a living. They, they, they evaluate whether they're being lied to and they talk to foreign intelligence services. Uh, a federal prosecutor really doesn't have that expertise. So a lot, a lot of questions here, guys. You know, my God, you people don't even try to pretend to have any intellectual honesty. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends and send comments about the track by emailing F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP podcast gmail.com you get this show on soundcloud podcast addict tune in radio google play itunes blueberry stitcher and pocket cast remember check out the facebook page at fop podcast and twitter page at fop tony reed plan is for our next show to be the 28th of october year of our lord 2019 the 28th until then Enjoy fall weather in the south. By the time I'm doing this next week, we'll be in the 50s for highs. That's insane for October. And we're going to have a freaking cold Halloween, which we haven't had in like five fucking years. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. I want to give a shout out to Gigi in Tennessee, my better half. Um, I always buy her just because stuff, flowers and shirts and stuff like that. That's just what I do because I don't value money and she does. And she sent me Oregon Duck officially licensed Christmas lights, which I didn't think was a thing, but it is. And it's kind of a chintz because they charge a lot of money and they're just green and yellow lights. They don't have logos on them, but this entire podcast was underneath these beautiful lights for my duckies in the podcast uh, podcast booth. Additionally, um, <clears throat> more stuffing in here or, or uh, insulation has been put up. So I'm hoping it's sounding better. And each week I get more and more. Eventually I'll be encased in two and a half inch foam. So it should definitely tamp down a lot of the noises. And I'm hoping it's sounding better. Once again, send me an email if it is, or at least Matt in Oregon or Sean in Oregon. Send me a text. I mean, is it sounding more professional? I mean, I know I'm not professional and the, the podcast is not super professional, but I'm talking about the, the voice quality. I mean, is it actually tamping it down? Anyway, once again, thanks for listening, folks. Make sure you tune in on uh, Monday, the 28th. And until then, take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. <laughs>